That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. In for John Canzano, here's Stephen Vaughn and Judah Newby with the Bald Face Truth. Well, it's a day after the NBA draft. The draft has settled. All the picks have been made. And we now know what the Portland Trailblazers got, as there's been no news. No news on trades yet. It still could happen. But we're here to talk about it. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. I am with Judah Newby as well. Off the top of the show, 503-417-7575. If you want to talk about the Trailblazers, you want to talk about Joe Cronin, you want to talk about the press conference, you want to talk about anything, I would love to hear from everybody. 503-417-7575. Catch me on Twitter at Steven underscore V-O-N and Judah at Judah Newbie. I just want to start off talking about Joe Cronin and his press conference right off the bat here. I... I I understand that there's a lot of fans that are upset with what the Portland Trailblazers did last night by drafting Scoot Henderson, drafting Chris Murray, drafting Ryan Rupert, French guy, the second round. I understand. They, they didn't add the veterans that they were quote-unquote promised that they would get from Joe Cronin. And I understand how fans feel that way and I feel lied to, but since Joe Cronin has taken over the job since Neil O'Shea, Cronin has said that. He has said, I want to build a championship around Damian Lillard. That is what he has said. And last night in the draft, nothing, nothing suggests that. Uh, they took that 19-year-old in Scoot with the third pick. They didn't acquire any vets. All the picks were used on rookies. And actions, I think, are louder than words. I think that saying comes into play a lot today. Joe Cronin's actions are showing what he wants. And that is to go young. It's to go youth movement. And I am not mad about it. I am here for it. I think it's the best strategy. I was texting people. I said, even though they didn't get a veteran team up next to Damian Lillard last night, I think the Portland Trailblazers are closer to a championship today than they were the day before. Now, is the team better today than they were a day ago? Maybe not. Maybe they won't have a good record. Maybe won't make the playoffs. But I think they're closer to a championship. How has that happened? Of course, it's Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson pop and they become those star players in three, four, five years. That's how it happens. The Blazers aren't that close right now with the roster that they have. And it's unfortunate because Damian Lillard at his age at 32, going to be 33 pretty soon. He doesn't have five more years to wait for Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp to really pop and become those guys if he wants to win a championship. So if Dame wants to try to win a championship, he's got to go somewhere else. But I'm not mad about the line. The line that Joe Cronin supposedly did by saying, I want to build around Dame, build a championship for Dame. I want him to be a Blazer forever. That, that's what GMs, that's what coaches, that's what players, they all do this in sports. Just the other day, new Warriors GM, Mike Dunleavy Jr. He said he can't wait to have Jordan Poole in Golden State for at least four more seasons. 
because that's what his contract extension was. Four more years. You know what he did in the next couple days? He traded him to Washington. That's what he did. He, he said, I can't wait to have Jordan Poole for at least four more years, and then he traded him. Here's how that sounded. If you uh, don't believe me, this is Mike Dunleavy saying, I want Jordan Poole in Golden State for four more years. We love having those guys here. Jordan, especially with his contract extension, uh, plan to have him here for four more years at least. Four more years at least. A couple days later, traded to Washington. So Mike Dunleavy, he lies. Joe Cron is not the only one. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers Nick Saban. He said he wasn't going to be the Alabama head coach. What did he do? He went to Alabama because it was better for him. It was better for his situation. Locally, Eugene, Mario Cristobal. What did he say? What did he say after the Pac-12 title game? If you don't remember, I'll remind you. Yeah, I don't know what you're into. When you say someone's offered, I haven't talked to anybody. So let's not create narratives, okay, as we sit here in this press conference. So Oregon is working on some stuff for me, and that's what I have right now. And that's the extent of that conversation. That was after the Pac-12 title game on December 3rd. December 5th, he signed a 10-year contract with Miami to be their head coach. Doesn't sound like a guy that uh, was telling the full truth there after the postgame. So all I'm saying is this isn't new. Blazer fans can't be mad that Joe Cronin's is saying one thing and doing another. This is what happens in sports. It's a business. It's not show friends. It's show business. That's what they're doing. He says he wants to build around Dame as he should. It's a must-lie situation. The second that Joe Cronin says, I want to trade Damian Lillard, his value goes down. This is business. That, that's just how it works. If he came out and he said, as soon as he took the job from Neil O'Shea, and he said, you know what? We're not building around Damian more. I want to start over. I want to build my own team. You know what the value does for Dame at that moment goes incredibly down because everyone knows you want to trade him. So I do understand it. I do understand the feeling of being backstabbed by the fans if they feel that way by the front office and management because, well, I mean, frankly, they haven't been good in years. The front office and management have shown no signs of saying, you know what, I put my trust in them. I think they're doing a really good job. But he can't be mad at Joe Cronin because he, quote, unquote, lied about his strategy. And so that stuff falls on deaf ears for me. He, he has to straddle that line of being transparent and not any, letting anyone in on what he does and what he wants to do later on. I'll bring Judah Newby in at this point now. Judah, I just I needed to rant about that. I saw so many fans were so upset and saying, you know what, you backstabbed Dame, you backstabbed me, you lied to me. This happens all the time. Like, this is sports. This is a business. If Joe Cronin comes out and says exactly what he wants to do, that strategy goes out the window. Everyone knows what you're doing. They're going to stop you. The Blazers weren't a move away. They are moves away. I think by getting Scoot Henderson, you're, everything you read about him, everything you watch about him, he could be a star player. He may never be Damian Lillard, and I understand that. But you know what? Damian Lillard isn't a Nicole Jokic. He's not a LeBron James. He needs other guys around him. At age 32, it's going to be hard to do that, hard to put it around. Am I, am I off base on this, Judah? Like, I feel like Joe Cronin is catching a lot of heat, and I don't even necessarily like all the things that he has done as general manager. I don't think he's a very good general manager, but he's catching a lot of heat for no reason today because he, quote-unquote, lied to the fan base. That's a tricky thing for me because as a fan, like I want my my GM, my executive, my head coach, whatever, I want them to be transparent with with me as a fan. But obviously they can't, you know, because if they do, then trade values go down. Like if he if he says straight up, yeah, I mean, we obviously have an issue with Dame. We're at a crossroads with Dame. He might not be able to get more out of Dame from a from a trade value standpoint. And that is a hard thing, though, I think, for fans to comprehend is 
that your your team doesn't owe you anything in terms of honesty. But it also makes it that much more refreshing when they are honest. As a Seahawk fan, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, like they they've been pretty transparent and pretty honest in a lot of in a lot of ways. But they weren't about Russell Wilson before they traded Russell Wilson. So like you you have to you know, it's a tough path to navigate. And I didn't really have a problem with, with Cronin last night either. The one thing that I don't think he did himself any favors was he just comes across as unsure of himself and a little timid. And to me, that's more of a needing to take like public speaking one-on-one type of issue rather than a substance issue. You know, Olshay was all shine and, and no substance. I think Cronin's got substance to him, but he really lacks the polish of public speaking. That makes it really easy to kind of bash on him if you don't agree with what he's saying or if you don't think he's telling the truth. And there's some things, you know, Joe Cronin said in the press conference, we'll play him here in a little bit that I want to play. You know, he talked about that it it wasn't true that they weren't, you know, talking about trading the pick like they were. It, you know, it was kind of reported that the Blazers just said no to everything by Shams. He says no, like we would export everything. But you know what? The guy we're getting, Scoot Henderson, that is the best player in the draft. That's the best thing that you're going to get. This is this is exactly what he said about you know Scoot Henderson. Let me uh, find that quote here. Um, you know, the, you the fans wanted him to make a trade, and Joe Cronin said no because you know what the biggest thing they can do is drafting Scoot. You know, yes, you draft number three, but a lot of people were hoping for a trade. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to this fan base again that is once again probably being preached patience? I would say we made the biggest move possible by drafting Scoot Henderson. That he's going to be better than any player that. Um, would maybe be perceived as that big move. And then you start factoring in the other things that matter in this league, the salary cap, you know, him on a rookie scale. That allows us to build a lot more depth than we would have been able to otherwise. Now, I will say this. You know, I agree with him at this at that moment, too. Like, Scoot Henderson, I think, is the be- was the best choice. He's the best option he may not be ready from day one. He may not be better than, you know, if you traded for Jalen Brown, he may not be better than Mikel Bridges. He obviously won't be from day one, but in the long run is the best move to do. And to get that guy on a rookie contract and to pair him with Shaden Sharp, who we all know has a lot of potential, a lot of good skills that he showed last season at the end of the year. I think it's tough. I think it's tough to say, no, we should have traded this pick because that's what you said two years ago when you took over the job. I, I, just, I don't, I don't like Everyone's saying we got backstabbed, we got lied. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, if he wasn't in constant contact with Dame, that's a different story. I think you got to keep Dame in the loop. You don't have to do it publicly. Do it behind the scenes. Now, Chris Haynes puts out kind of a weird tweet, Judah, after the drafts. And I know this kind of bugs you a little bit. Kind of bugged me a little bit as well. Uh, You know, Haynes, this was right at, was it after the draft or right after the uh, press conference? I think yeah, I think it was right after I think it was right after the press conference, yeah. but I can find it with a with a uh with a timestamp. Yeah, so this was uh this was Joe Cronin at the press conference real quick talking about uh you know talking about Dame and had he when he last talked to him what the communication was like before the draft. This is Joe Cronin at the conference. Dame and I talked when we last talked. Tuesday morning. Dame's not in Portland right now. Um had a long talk Tuesday morning. You know, that was two days before the draft, so there's still a lot of things can happen. You know, often teams don't show their hand until Wednesday or even today or sometimes even during the draft. But um, we had a long talk about 
some trade possibilities. Um, we had a good discussion about, hey, there's a strong likelihood that we're going to draft here at three. We didn't know exactly which player would be there between, you know, we didn't know who was going to go to at the time. So plenty of discussions about that. Um, having talked to him since Tuesday, I've been in contact with his agent, uh, Aaron Goodwin, Wednesday, today, multiple times going into the draft, just keeping him apprised of what our plans are and, hey, you know, we're going to draft here. So just trying to be, trying to communicate and be upfront and make sure we're all on the same page. All right, so just make sure we're on the same page here. Joe Cronin says he talked to Damian Lillard on Tuesday and then kept in contact with his agent because Dame was out of the country. Chris Haynes, right after the press conference, tweets out, Damian Lillard has not had any recent communication with the Portland Trailblazers involving the draft, free agency, or his future. League sources tell NBA on TNT and the Bleacher Report. That contradicts everything Joe Cronin said. Now, maybe Joe Cronin is lying, and maybe he's not keeping in contact with Damian Lillard. I would find that very hard to believe that for as much as Damian Lillard has done for the franchise, that they're not keeping him in the loop. Now, man, also maybe Dame says, well, he talked to me Tuesday. Today's Thursday. That's not, that's not recent. That's a couple days. Someone's lying in this situation. What is the, what's the point of putting that tweet out by Chris Haynes? I don't understand it. If Joe Cron, unless Joe Cronin is just blatantly lying to us. And if that's the case, then yeah, I'm going to be mad at Joe Cronin for saying that. I have a hard time believing that they are not keeping Damian Lillard in the loop and keeping constant contact with the all-time leading scorer in the franchise. Like, for all the things that Joe Cronin has done and all the things that New Lil Shea has done, like, disrespecting Dame like that, they wouldn't do that. That's not how the NBA works. The NBA is such a star-driven lead league. Dame has his hands on whatever he wants. Dame wanted Jeremy Grant. You know what they did? They went out and they got Jeremy Grant. Uh, Judah, do you think, like, what's the point of this Chris Haynes tweet? Was it from Dame? Was it from his agent? Like, is this a sign to go at Joe Cronin? Like, what is the point of that tweet right after Joe Cronin says this? Yeah, it's a it's a really bad look, and I think it's a worse look for for Dame than it is for Cronin. I I think Cronin's telling the truth when he says we talked to him on Tuesday morning, like I, and had a long talk with him Tuesday morning about potential trades, and he said we talked to him about the strong likelihood we are drafting at number three. That's what Joe said. The strong likelihood we are drafting at number three. He told that. To Damian Lillard. By the way, Stephen, who decided to make plans to be out of the country in the hours and days leading up to the NBA draft? You know what? I knew when the NBA draft was. Yeah. I'm guessing Dane knew when the NBA draft was. He intentionally made himself hard to get a hold of if that's the case, without question. And I'm not saying he necessarily shouldn't have done it, but the Chris Haynes tweet and just to get nitty-gritty, it comes out at 10.01 p.m., and that is literally when Joe Cronin was sitting down. It was, it was like concurrent, more than one before the other, now that I look back at it. And it's like at the same time as Joe Cronin is sitting down, Haynes fires off this tweet, which to me is either directly texted to him by Aaron Goodwin, or he texts he texts Dame and says, I'm about to tweet this, and Dame says, sure. Like, that's how tight, obviously, Haynes is with Dame and, and Goodwin. He's a mouthpiece for those guys, which is fine. Like, that's the way the league operates. That's the way Haynes makes his living. And I think Chris does a great job. And we're, you know, he's got the, the Portland ties and everything. It's wonderful. Yeah, great job. And it's job security for him. But it's bullcrap from Goodwin here and Dame, in my opinion. Because Cronin literally talked to Dame Tuesday morning. Because I believe Cronin when he says that. I believe Cronin when he says he's been in touch with Goodwin. And so for Camp Lillard to plant this through Haynes and say there has been no recent communication about the draft, 
free agency or his future is bullcrap. I mean that to, that to me is is wrong. Now, similarly, I think Cronin, you know, he's got egg on his face for all the public um, stances of build around Dame, build around Dame, build around Dame. Where I totally agree with you, his actions speak louder than his words, and he he's not taking that seriously. Right now, that seems like lip service more than it seems like proof of performance. So with those two things in mind, nobody is acting responsibly here. I think uh, one of my favorite movies is The Big Short. And, uh, you know, Steve Carell's character is sitting around a table talking with, with the other characters. And they're saying, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients to, you know, make them their money before the, you know, everything tanks here. And Steve Carell's character, uh, Mark Bob says... Responsibly? Nobody is effing acting responsibly here. Nobody's acting responsibly. We don't have responsibility to anybody. And that's kind of how this feels here. Like, everybody's playing a game. Everybody's playing a game, but the true loyalties and the true, uh, you know, service. There's no service that Cronin is trying to provide Dame, and there certainly isn't any service that Dame and Goodwin are trying to provide Cronin, not in my opinion. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I totally agree with you on all of it. Like, I think it's it's a problem for both people because Cronin doubles down and triples down on, we want to build around Dame. You know what? I could pl- I'm going to play this clip. This is what he said last night. You could take this from every press conference he has had on what he says about Damian Lillard and what he wants to build around him. Joe, is the intention still to build this roster around Damian Lillard and build towards contending on his timeline? It is. I mean, there's nothing we want more than to... Number one, for Dame to retire a trailblazer, and two, to put a winner around him, a high-end winner. And I think that's what gets misconstrued about Dame sometimes. Like, for us, it's an incredible problem to have. We have the best player in trailblazers history that wants to be here and wants to have a winner put around him. And that's our challenge, and that's where we've got to keep doing our thing and find ways to make this team as competitive as possible, as quickly as possible. If that's the point, then you don't draft Scoot Henderson. You trade Shaden Sharp. You trade Anthony Simons. I laid it out yesterday. It's the same exact thing as the Golden State Warriors had. They tanked for two seasons. The second pick in the draft, they got James Wiseman. Last night, the Blazers had the third pick, Scoot Henderson. The year before, the Warriors had the seventh pick, Jonathan Kuminga. You know what Shaden Sharp was? The seventh pick in the draft. Jordan Poole just got traded four years over $100 million. Anthony Simons, late first-round pick, just like Jordan Poole, four years, $100 million as a shooting guard. It's the same exact situation. The Warriors went with the young guys, didn't work. Now they're trading. They're going all in with veterans as they trade for Chris Paul. What are the Blazers doing? They're going young. That should say everything. That should say everything. Then, you know, I'm not... And here's the problem. Joe Cronin is obviously lying in this situation. And it's a must-lie because he doesn't want to lose Dame value but I feel like at some point he maybe just needs to say something else and not, not saying I'm going to trade Dane, but just be less bleak or more bleak about it. And just stop being so like assured of what you're saying. And that's my problem with all of this. You're right. Like everybody's in the wrong in the situation and it's classic Portland trailblazers. It's a dumpster fire. As always, the trailblazers are a dumpster fire and I don't know what's going to take them out of it. I, I do think that if they continue building young scoot and Shane sharp is a great place to start. If they do explore trading Dame, they'll get a draft pick for him. They explore trade Anthony Simons, they'll get some draft picks for him. It's not a terrible spot or a spot to start your rebuild. Does Joe Cronin have the balls to say, you know what? I'm gonna trade Damian Lode. I'm gonna be that guy and have the entire fan base be mad at you. 
Does Burton Jody, do they want to trade Dame? They know they need tickets. They need ticket sales. If Dame's not on the team, who's going to see the Blazers next season? Because we know that they're not going to be very good. They're not going to be very good with Dame. They're going to be worse without him. It's just a, it's a messed up situation. And for me, I wish we could just be celebrating the fact that Scoot Henderson is coming to the Portland Trailblazers. There's been scouts that said he's, I've heard a scout say he was the best guard prospect he's seen in 10 seasons in the last decade. That's how good this guy is. He'd be a number one pick in most drafts. But because of Wimbenyama, he falls. And then because the Hornets don't know what they're doing, they don't draft a number two and then falls right to the Blazers. And now we're talking about, well, you know, Damian Lillard, Joe Cronin line, everyone's line, backstabbing. It should be a day of celebration. And the writing seems to be on the wall that Dame's going to be out of here. But, man, Judah, I don't know when or if it's going to happen. I still think. Here's my here's my take on this. I think Damian Lillard still of the Portland Trailblazers at the start of the season. I don't think Joe Cronin pulls the trigger. And what happens is I think the Blazers do make some type of trade in the offseason. I think they trade some veterans. They trade Nurk. They trade Anthony Simons. They get some different players in there. And Dame is pleased enough where he doesn't publicly say anything. Because I don't think the Blazers want to trade him unless he publicly says it. They're playing a game of chicken here. And I don't think Dame's going to say it. Dame doesn't want to be the bad guy. The Blazers don't want to be the bad guy. I think they're playing chicken and Dame's going to be on the Blazers at the start of the season. Yeah. I think, and I shared this with you off air right before, but I think he's gone. I think Portland's going to trade him, and they're going to trade him to Miami or Brooklyn, and I think it's going to happen in the next month, maybe sooner. Only because, and I'm probably in the minority on that. You know, I don't know what you would handicap the odds at, but I just have a really, really hard time thinking that Dame is going to be in a Blazer uniform when this season starts with this group of, of characters and young players on the team. And he has said on the record that he doesn't want to play with another teenager. And literally, they just drafted another teenager who, by the by, plays the same damn position. Like, what? You think I'm dumb? Of course like if you got do, don't you believe Damian Lillard when he said that? Yeah, 100%. Why would he not ask for a trade just cuz he doesn't want to look like the bad guy? I think that might have been the case in years past, but Is I think it? we've I think we've reached the tipping point. I think we've reached the tipping point and he will ask for a trade and that will precipitate the trade. Before he asks for the trade, if he doesn't ask for a trade, I, I don't think they'll trade him, but I think he's going to ask for a trade and I think it's going to happen soon. 503-417-7575. Let me know. Is Dame, is this the tipping point? Was the NBA draft the tipping point that's going to push Dame over the top and say, I want to be out of Portland? Is Dame finally going to say it? Was last night the tipping point where they draft Scoot Henderson, they draft Chris Murray, they draft a young 19-year-old from France? Is that it? Is that what's going to be the reason? 503-417-7575. Let us know. I would love to hear what you think, Rip City. About that, uh, we'll take a break here. When we come back, I do want to ask Judah this question. Um, it's about truth serum. If we could give Joe Cronin some truth serum, I have a question I would love to know from Joe Cronin. I want to hear what Judah has to say, and I would love to hear what you guys have to say. Keep it locked in. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn, Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Joe Cronin may be lying, but tell you what, this is the Bald Face Truth. We don't lie here. And I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Gonzano. Judah Newby is with me as well. John will be back next week. But Judah, 
since Joe Cronin is a liar, and we've all assumed that, and again, I don't care that he lied. This happens. This happens in sports. I could give you so many more examples than the more I did in the first segment. Nick Saban, you know, all these guys, they lie. They just lie in sports. But I want to give Joe Cronin some truth serum here, Judah, and I want you to pretend to be Joe, Joe Cronin. You are the Blazer general manager. You have to tell the truth. I say, hey, Joe, do you want to trade Damian Lillard? Yes or no? How does he truthfully answer that question? He can't lie. He can't lie to me. Not on this show. It's the ball face truth. How does Joe Cronin answer that question if he wants to trade Damian Lillard? Hell yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. Want is, is I'm going to use want in the sense that he wants to build a, a contender in the NBA. You know, he wants to be the GM. He wants to be the architect of a franchise that plays deep in the playoffs and goes for an NBA championship. And so in that essence of the word want, he wants to trade Damian Lillard. Emotionally, I don't think he would want to per se, but professionally, yes, he would want to absolutely if he could right now. I don't know if it's up to him clearly, and that's why I think he's trying to put Dame in a position to to make the call himself. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think he wants to because that's what most general managers do, especially in the NBA. They want to rebuild. They want to start from yeah. scratch and do it their own way. I mean, we saw that with Neil O'Shea. Totally makes sense, right? I mean, it's their baby or, or whatever. Yeah. It's their creation. What what creator doesn't want to have the control of all the parts from beginning to end? That's the that's the job. That's what Oklahoma. That's what Presti has been able to do for you know ten years now and done it remarkably well. And as that. Cronin wants to have his version of OKC, and he can't do it with Damian Lillard on the roster. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the last guys that is left over from the Olshay era. Nurk is still there. Anthony Simons is drafted by Olshay. But we saw that early in the Olshay's tenure here in Portland that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, those were his two guys. When I was with the Blazers, I was told this straight out. Neil Olshay is not going to trade either one of them because he believed so much that they could win. But also, he doesn't want to be proven wrong. And so I think for Joe Cronin, like, he wants a fresh start. And if he wants to be wrong, he wants to be wrong with his own mind, and he wants to do his way. I do think the other question that I would love to ask him, and you touched on this, is what would Jody and Burt want? Do they want Damian Lillard in Portland? You know, I know John Gonzano is not a big fan of Jody Allen and Burt Cold, and they shouldn't be. And no one really should be. But at the same time, how much, how much do they have their hands on this situation? Are they the ones pulling the trigger? Are they the ones that said, no, you know what? We need to draft Scoot Henderson. We need to get younger. We need to build for the future. Or are they saying, you know what? We need to try to make a trade. Is Scoot Henderson going to be traded tomorrow and the Blazers try to get a veteran? I mean, that is possible. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Scoot Henderson could be traded to another team before the start of the season and Dane gets exactly what he wants and he gets veterans here in Portland and the Blazers start that way. I can, think. Can you think of an example that that's happened before Andrew Wiggins with LeBron when he was drafted by the Cavs he traded him for Kevin Love Be and he didn't play a minute with didn't, LeBron didn't play a minute with the Cavs and they he was what two he was the first pick in the draft they traded him to Minnesota for Kevin Love so I guess you're right there is your precedence I still would find that hard to believe like Andrew I mean we're talking about LeBron James in the prime of his career not 32 year old Damian Lillard I agree 33 year old Damian Lillard. I agree I think it's very unlikely but I think it's still a possibility Joe Cronin says there, there's moves to be done like he, yeah, there's still a lot of movement um he thinks that uh he needs to make moves this is what it, he, he might be a liar which is fine <laughs> but 
I don't think he's going to publicly sell Scoot Henderson the way that he has to the fan base and then trade him. I, I mean, maybe I'm naive, but I think it's way more likely that Dame is gone before Scoot is gone. I, I think I, I agree he's just married too much to the upside. Like Cronin and Schmitz are upside, you know, fanatics. But they're just, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? You love Scoot so much and he's the best player to get. But then he also says this. Trades a free agent. She's gonna be busy. I think there's still there's still a lot of movement to be had. We've got to you know obviously do a good job in free agency and in the trade market in the next you know especially in this activity window the next two three weeks we've got to um, we've planted a lot of seeds on some deals. A lot of these deals we talked about outside of three you know they weren't necessarily draft related. So sometimes these deals will carry through to. You know, could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be going into free agency or outside of the moratorium. So um, the goal now is to, you know, we've we've added some young players. The goal now is to add some veteran players that can, can continue to, you know, ramp up this team. He wants to add veteran players. That's what he just said. I did see one local media guy say he thinks Scoot Henderson will be traded. I don't believe it. I don't think he will. But Joe Cron's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He says Scoot Henderson is the best player to get at number three rather than all these trades. But now we need to go out and get veterans. Now we need to go, you know, placate to Damian Lillard. I just, the line, it's not the line that's bothering me. It's just stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. I said this going in the draft. We're really going to figure out the pathway the Blazers are going. We figured out nothing because they won't tell us. They won't tell us anything. Say something different. If Dame wants out, Ask to be out. That's okay. No one's going to be mad at him. Everyone understands. If the Blazers trade Dame, you know what? It's what's best for the franchise. I think a lot of people understand that. The people that think that the Trailblazers are close and they should build around Dame and that they're a championship contender, I think that's wacko. They are not close. <laughs> Judah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't, I'm not mad at the line. I just want it to be more clear what they're doing. Like, yeah. It one it, actions are so much louder right now. Joe Cronin is doing one thing and then saying another thing. No one's buying it, and it's just confusing everybody. It makes the Blazers just look like you know just a, a crazy franchise. Well, that's that's amazing to me. You know, we're talking about them being dysfunctional and a mess simply based on the Joe Cronin, Damian Lillard, you know, face off here, and we hardly mentioned the Jody and Burt component, which is really where the mess lies at the very, very top. Like everything about this is a mess. And uh, th- that's unfortunate. I, I To your question of is Jody and Burt going to bless a Damian Lillard trade? Like I, I really have no idea. That's the thing. I don't really know how much room Joe Cronin has to operate here because the butts and seats thing is a real thing. And, the valuation of the franchise, you know, might be part of it, might not be part of it. I think it's probably going to have its own value on its own, whether or not Damian Lillard is in a Blazers uniform. I do wonder, though, if if Dame is traded, does that give Jody, you know, more time to sit on the, the franchise and wait to make a sale? Obviously, she's not going to, you know, make any sale of the of the franchise until the new media deal kicks in for the NBA, whenever that is. That's the first major domino, but... I think if Damian Lillard is traded, that just buys her even more time to, you know, try to try to get Scoot into his twenty year twenty one, year twenty two, year twenty three, when he's really coming into his prime and there's even more buzz and more high value around uh, around the franchise before she can capitalize on it. Even though apparently she's not gonna make a penny off the actual sale of the franchise, she'll actually lose money 
Because as Kanzano has reported, in all likelihood, she is making a pretty nice commission check for each and every year that she sits on this asset as part of Paul Allen's estate. She's getting a management fee. It's Bert that's going to be cashing out when the franchise is sold. So there might be tension between Jody and Bert on top of it all with the, <laughs> the Joe and Dame tension. Like, there's tension everywhere, and it's, it's a mess everywhere. And I think at the end, the fans are the ones that are losing. And that's that's the unfortunate thing is that the fans are the ones kind of left in the dark and the mixed messaging and, you know, the, the saying one thing and doing another, it comes at the expense of Rip City, not to mention the terrible media distribution, you know, and that's that's a real thing. And I do feel bad for Portland Trailblazer fans in that regard. Yeah, speaking of Trailblazer Media, uh, we will have uh, the voice of the Trailblazers, Travis Demers. Yeah, no offense to, yeah. to Tra- Travis. The radio product is, is wonderful. I he, do love the, the play-by-play man on the radio. He'll 5 o'clock hour talking about everything about the draft. Uh, he doesn't work for Rue. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll talk to him about everything with the draft and the Blazers. But, uh, no, I, I agree with you. It's just it's a mess of a situation right now, and I don't see anything really solving it. And I said this before. I think the owner stuff is a little overrated, and I still do. I still think it's a little overrated, but what I do think is that the Blazers need to capitalize on Scoot Henderson, and we need to celebrate him. You know, this was this was Scoot afterwards at the NBA draft media availability. Like he is saying the right things, he's doing the right things, and this is a guy that the Blazers can legitimately build their franchise around once Dame is gone, whether it's with Dame or not. He 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 doesn't care. He wants to play with Dame. He doesn't want. He doesn't care about his minutes. You know, this is Scoot Henderson. Now, nah, first of all, I'm excited to come to Portland. Just uh, especially when I visit there, I love the city. I love all the greenery, and I love everything about the people. But um, I think I'm gonna learn a whole bunch. You know, I don't think it's gonna stunt my growth at all. Uh, I think, I think I'm gonna, you know, grow regardless. Uh, especially just alongside Damon, guys like that, and Anthony. Um, just playing alongside guys that that's that's been through what I'm about to go through, and uh, guys that that's been fearless coming into the league and. Players that know a lot, so I'm a just I'm all ears every time. So that's that's just a great thing about me. You know, I'm a listener. So no, it's not going to stop my growth. I mean, and Scoot, the thing about Scoot Henderson, Judah, is he's been a professional in the G League for two seasons. So I don't think the jump is going to be quite as big, or you know, the adjustment time is going to be as big as maybe people think. Like I know he's 19 years old, and we say that 19 year olds can't really contribute for a winning team, and yeah, that's kind of true all over the NBA. But I think Scoot is more ready than a lot of regular 19-year-olds. We even saw Shaden Sharp at the start of the year. He made a lot of mistakes, but he made some plays as well. The Blazers weren't competitive, but he made some plays. And I think Scoot's the same way. He's played against guys in the G League that you know are now in the NBA or that got drafted as well. Like This is a guy that the Blazers need to be celebrating, and they need to be building around him. But instead, we're just talking about the, the feud between Joe Cronin and Damian Lillard, and we got to wait for that to resolve before we can actually celebrate Scoot Henderson, and it may go into the regular season. If it does, I do think Dame and Scoot can play together. Like They are two really good, talented players that will figure it out. I don't think Dame's going to hold any grudges on the court. He's going to give it his all like he always does, and I think Scoot's going to come in with his hair on fire, trying to make every play he possibly can, trying to prove himself in the NBA. I just I want to celebrate Scoot more than we are. But it's just it's impossible. It's impossible right now to celebrate Scoot Henderson, and I wish it could change. I, I'm starting to dive into Scoot's story a little bit and his background, you know, before the draft, but even more so now. But I have the same reservations. I'm like, am I doing this all just to watch him go somewhere else? Um, but you know, do you think because Scoot said he uh, his favorite player growing up was Russell Westbrook, and a lot of guys said that in, in the lead up to the draft, which I found interesting. 
Do you think that in their primes, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook could have played on the court together? I don't know. No, because I don't know who can play with Russell Westbrook. But Scoot might not be Russell Westbrook, but he has a similar skill set right now. Explosive, attacks, tries very hard, ultra competitive, can't shoot yet. Yes. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Russell Westbrook. So I don't, I don't, look, I'm trying to come to grips that Dame and Scoot can play on the floor at the same time. But can you walk me through it? I don't see it right now. I don't see it. Uh, so the way I think it happens is Russell Westbrook, he gets a, he gets assists, but they're selfish assists, if that makes any sense. Like, he makes passes when they don't have to be made. He could get an easy bucket, but instead he passes off, and then he expects those guys to shoot. Or he gets mad at guys when they don't shoot right after he passes to him because they blow an assist and they make an extra pass, or they try to make a move. He gets mad because they don't shoot the jump shot, right? And I don't, I don't know that Scoot has that type of selfishness in him. Maybe he does. Maybe it turns into that, but I don't think he has that right now. I also think that with Damian Lillard being such a good shooter, Scoot Henderson can really attack the hoop. If you go back and you watch, they played against Victor Wimbanyama and his team. Scoot attacked Victor Wimbanyama and finished around him a lot in that ballgame. And you got to open up the court. It's all about spacing in the NBA. Dame's going to play off of that. So Scoot can drive and kick to Dame, who's going to be a knockdown shooter like he always is. Or Scoot can attack the hoop and use his athleticism and his strength. We've seen that body that he has. He has an NBA-ready body. He can, you know, he can withstand some punishment down low. He's played in the G League. He knows how to do that and finish. I think that can happen for him. And then on the opposite side, if Dame has the ball, Scoot Henderson has the ability to cut to the hoop. He's not a shooter. He's definitely not a shooter right now. But what he can do, and this is what Russell Westbrook does really well as well, is when he's off the ball, he'll cut to the hoop when someone drives. If Dame drives in the middle, Russ will be right behind him or right to the side of him, and he can dish it off to Scoot, who then can try to dunk on everybody. And I think that's where you can do it offensively. Defensively, it's going to be the same exact problem the Blazers have had every single season with two small guards that don't play defense. Because Scoot Henderson, 19 years old, those guys don't play defense. They don't figure it out until later on in their career. So the defense is going to be bad. And that's why the Blazers will never be good with Scoot Henderson and Damian Lillard. But I think offensively, it can work. Yeah, I just, I want to believe you. And I've got a little bit of a harder time seeing it manifest. It just seems like one of those rules of basketball that there's just a, a limit in, the, in, a, in a real actual ceiling. We also don't it. know how Dame reacts to saying, you know what, you're off the ball more. Because Dame is exactly. Al- Dame that's has, a big piece of it. Dame has always been a guy that wants the ball, understandably. He's been so successful in his entire life, and he's made so much money. He's made so many all-star games. He's a top 75 player of all time because he's the ball handler. He runs pick and rolls. He runs isolation. Scoot Henderson comes in as a 19-year-old, and they're like, hey, Dame, go go stand in the corner and run off the ball, run off some screens. And you no, know what? No, thank you. And if, if that's not the case in year one and you ask Scoot to be the guy that's off the ball in the corner to shoot, it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Disaster. Because they will not close out on him, and he will not make it. Because he's not ready, and like Anfordy is, Anfordy would be is great at that. Obviously, Scoot's not, and, and that is a great point. Is that that's on Chauncey Billups as well? Oh, great! And so because I'm really confident in him, exactly, and that is why I am saying I that the, the Blazers are not close it, with Dame. With Dame, this is not going to happen to be a championship contender. It's just not going to happen, and that's why I'm very glad they made the draft pick of Scoot, and they're going to build around shooting Shaden Scoot and Shaden Sharp. And then at some point, they're going to re-explore the trade with Damian Lillard. That's just, that's just what's going to happen. All right, we'll take a break here. When we come back, Big Splash. Uh, we do it every day, but uh, we got something I want to talk about for the Big Splash. Coming up next on the Ball of Phase Truth. Uh, the Trailblazers, they doing it again. 
Damian Lillard hops on IG Live. A song, a certain song is playing. We'll talk about it later. Not the song you want to hear if you are a, a Damian Lillard stay in Portland fan, but we will address that later. Judah, this is just, this is craziness. I mean, it's just, it's so much drama. I just hate the drama. I want, <laughs> I'm at this point where like, I want Damian Lillard to just say it or be traded or say, you know what? I will never be traded. Joe Cronin to say that. I, I just need something to put something, you know, some solidified, <laughs> just something solid on this mess. I just yeah. can't, I can't take it. I, the, the, the drama is driving me nuts. Yeah. That's right. We, John and me did this segment the other last Friday. It was just go away. You know what? Blazer, Damian Lillard drama, go away. I liked it for like three days when the national media was talking about Dame all the time. I thought it was pretty cool. Like, hey, look, little Portland's getting talked about by every single show on every single network. Now it's like, just go away. Just go away and bring me back my small market blazes that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, look, we can uh, we can break up the Blazer drama and talk a little uh, Pac-12 media rights negotiations if you'd like. You know what? I'm going to let uh, – <laughs> If I maybe I need to like, call John on that one first. Uh, that's more his style. I think he's got a little more in tune than I do on that. But uh, I, mean, I, just, I said the same thing like three months ago. John was like, yeah, what, what are you, some things you're tired yeah. of? And I was like, I'm tired of the Pac-12 media rights negotiations just going in this circle and lo and behold we're still don't have any resolution on that either speaking of, speaking of liars liars oh. has been the theme of the show today pac-12 has been liars this that deal was supposed to be done what last summer right after the right after Thanks, usc George. and ucla leave then it was supposed to be what the fall then the winter then the spring now the summer now who knows now are they going to be on ion i don't know well let me ask you this then if What's the next domino to fall if if we're saying all right we're we're tired of the drama we want to see some resolution here one way or the other what is the next domino to fall with as it concerns the Trailblazers It's either Damian Lillard says point blank or Chris Haynes tweets out point blank Damian Lillard wants to be traded or the Blazers just end up trading Damian Lillard without saying anything just out of the blue one day it's reported oh Damian Lillard's been traded to the Miami Heat for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jaime Jaquez, that's the that's the that's the only thing that can happen that is really gonna solve this story because we can go along every single day and we can hear these people talk about well you know the Blazers didn't dra the Blazers drafted three players they didn't trade for a veteran if it doesn't work out Dame's gonna have a talk well yeah Dame's gonna have a talk because they talk all the time they talk about the team every single day pretty much so like I, that's the next domino is Dame says it or the Blazers just do it. What about Anferny? How does he mix into this? I can't imagine that Anthony Simons is going to be a big part of this team. And the reason I say that is because Shaden Sharp, with the last you know, 10, 15 games that he played when he was the go-to guy, he showed too much and way more potential than Anthony Simons has. Anthony Simons is a good player. I got a lot of problems with him. He doesn't get to the free throw line very much. He doesn't shoot mid-range well. Actually, he shoots mid-range okay. He doesn't get to the free throw line. He doesn't finish well inside. He doesn't pass. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't play great defense. He plays okay defense. Not great. One-on-one, -on -one, he's fine. Everything else, not great. You know what he can do well? He can shoot, and that's it. He is a good shooter. Now, that is very helpful in the NBA. Like, that is a very viable player in the NBA. But what is that? That's Jordan Poole. That's a guy who was a sixth man coming off the bench. It's not a guy that you rely on to be a building block to your team. I just don't see Anthony Simons getting much better. Yes, he has all the athleticism in the world. We've seen him win a dunk contest, but he doesn't, he's not strong. He doesn't go to the hoop very strong. He doesn't use it in the games. He's not explosive. He has a lot of problems offensively, even though he's very efficient at scoring 20, 21 points a night as a 22 year old. 
Really good shooter. Not much else after that. What about Nurk? If Nurk is on this team going into the next season, I may riot. <laughs> I Look, Nurk was awesome. When Nurk Fever, when he came in, he was awesome. Before the leg injury, I've said this numerous times, he was a top 20, 25 player in the NBA. Like, I'm not joking. That's how good and effective he was. He just hasn't recovered from that leg injury. He never was a most athletic guy. Got that leg injury, and it's, the athleticism has gone so far down. He can't guard on the perimeter. He's an okay positional defender in the pick and roll. Pretty good at defending the rim, but he's not athletic enough to get out and switch on guys. The shooting was nice this season, but it's still not respected in the NBA. I, I, I got to see something different out of Yusuf Nurkic. I don't think his best days are definitely behind him for sure. So I, I need Nurk gone. I need Anthony Simons gone. And maybe that's enough to say, hey, Dame, you know what? If they trade for some vets, Dame may say, I want back. Maybe they trade for draft picks. Then Dame will say, get me out of here, please. First flight to Miami. With that, let's do the big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Well, Julio Rodriguez had a great showing last year in the Home Run Derby. Was the AL Rookie of the Year. Struggled a little bit this season. Mariners struggling as well. We've talked about that. But he has committed to the Home Run Derby again this season. Coming up in Seattle. I think it's great for Julio. Great for the home fans. Give him something to cheer about. I mean, he put on the show. Got second to Juan Soto last season. Uh, hopefully Julio, you know, he wants to be the face of the of the league. And he very well could be. He's that good of a talent. And he's going to be showed off on the biggest stage at the All-Star Game in Seattle at his home stadium. I think it's going to be great. Uh, I'm cheering for Julio Rodriguez. All right, we'll take a break here as Hour 1 is wrapping up. Remember, Hour 3, Travis Demers, Voice of the Blazers, will be joining us. Coming up next, we got Punch It Audio. Keep it locked in on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Hour 2 on this beautiful Friday afternoon. I am Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano, who will be back next week. Catch me on Twitter at Stephen underscore V-O-N. I am with my man, Judah Newby. You catch him at Judah Newby as well on Twitter. If you want to call in, talk about the Blazers and what they've done. 503-417-7575. We can talk about them and the liar that Joe Cronin is and how I don't care about him lying because it happens in sports. A lot of stuff happening. Um, real quick here, this just kind of broke a couple minutes ago. Damian Lillard hops on IG Live as he does a lot, which, you know, I think is pretty cool. And Dame has always been really good at, you know, being somewhat transparent with his fans and, you know, really talking to them and connecting with them on social media, which I think a lot of, a lot of players don't want to do. I think Dame doesn't shy away from that. He does this a lot. He hops on IG Live and, you know, as we know, he's on vacation. He's at a party. You know, he's drinking a little bit. Judah, all of a sudden, the song in the background that's playing, Will Smith, Welcome to Miami. Now, I don't know. I haven't caught word if he heard the song and then started the IG Live or if he was already on Instagram Live and then the song hit. But I tell you what, the NBA is full of drama and Damian Lillard just laughing about it. Welcome to Miami. Just the perfect song to play for Damian Lillard at that moment. Does he want to go to Miami? Does it mean anything? His guy, Nate Jones, who is also Jalen Brown, his guy, they uh, they work out a lot. He tweets out, y'all understand when you're out in public, you don't control what songs are played, right? Try to you know say that has nothing to do with anything. Just bad timing. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean he wants to go to Miami, but 
you know how uh, NBA fans are. We take it, we run, and we say, oh, Miami confirmed Damian Lillard. But no, it's, it doesn't mean anything just due to just bad timing. I mean, timing is everything in the world, whether you're talking sports, whether you're talking job, whether you're talking kids, or you know, you're talking about you want to you know, meet a guy or gal and become you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend. It's all about timing. It, it, you know, the timing, and that was just bad timing right there by Dame. I, I guess. <laughs> what do you think? You, don't, you think it was purpose? If it's not purpose, I mean, if the song's playing, he's just laughing like if he really wants to pour cold water on it, he would and say, oh, that's just so funny. You know, there's no way I'm going to Miami, but he didn't pour cold water on it. He just he just let it play, let it happen, let, laughed because he's playing both sides just like everybody's playing both sides. Every, it's, it is funny and you can't make this stuff up, dude. It's just ridiculous. You really can't. You is can't it, make it up. It's honestly just one big game of chicken. The Trailblazers and Dame are playing with each other. Like who's going to crack first? It is. Dame doesn't want to be in Portland. Joe Carter doesn't want Dave to be in Portland. Who's <laughs> who's going to say what first? Nobody wants to be the bad guy. So someone's got to break at some point. I do think Dame will be uh, in a Blazer uniform to start next season. Uh, we'll continue talking Blazers later this hour, including in the five o'clock hour. Voice of the Trailblazers, Travis Demers, joins the show as well. I believe it's probably his bald face truth debut. I can't imagine he's been on any other time. Local legend in the area going to join me. Uh, on the bald face truth but right now we do it every day as judah and myself we scour the internet for everything that is audio in punch and audio we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the bald face truth headquarters hey we're all about truth justice in the american way here okay which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day you're going to hear little snippets of sound hey it's time for punch it audio presented by first call heating and cooling all right, we'll start with the Blazers once again. Uh, this was Adrian Wojnarowski on Get Up early this morning. Very interesting comments. I think we, talk, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, Judah. Mike Schmitz, the assistant GM, used to be with ESPN uh, as their draft analyst. I think the Blazers really trust his word when it comes to drafting players. You saw, you know, you had seen reports back when he was working for ESPN how much he loved Shaden Sharp. He had the same tweets about Ryan Rupert back when he was at ESPN as well. Loved him, Ryan Rupert, who was the second round pick for the Trailblazers. Woj talking about the Blazers, what they did last night in the draft. Very positive on what the Blazers did. Punch it. Damian Lillard has to decide uh, if he wants to grow with this young group. This team's not going to be a championship contender this season. I think they've done an outstanding job in Portland uh, the last couple years in the draft. Shaden Sharp last year, who they drafted in the lottery, and then this year, three, you know, Scoot Henderson certainly at the top, and then two other very good players who you can see a pathway to this young team. And if Damon Lillard wants to go to a contender, it's going to probably have to be somewhere unless he's willing to wait a couple years for this group to grow. There's no magic trade out there for them. You know, they'll try to re-sign Jeremy Grant. I have some confidence to be able to do that. Uh, you know, he was certainly impactful last year for this organization. Damon Lillard has said he's wanted to play his career in Portland. He's wanted to retire a Blazer. He certainly has that opportunity. He, he's going to be among the highest paid players in the league over the next few years. Uh, but I think Portland did what was right by their organization, their front office, trading out of number three for whatever the best available veteran would have been. It would have been malpractice. It just would have been you. You in a market like Portland, you don't get cracks at it. You can't go out in free agency and get star players. Your chance to get a star player, just like they did with Damian Lillard, 
is typically through the draft. Mm -hmm. I think they did that last night. Harsh words out of Woj there. Malpractice if they would have traded the pick for any of the trade offers. I don't know if Woj, you know, I'm sure Woj had heard some rumors about maybe who they could have gotten for that third pick, but he loves what the Blazers did. Says that's what you got to do in a market like Portland. I agree with you. That's how you got Dame. That's how you got CJ McCollum. That's how you got all these guys for the most part that have ever been stars here in Portland. You don't trade for him. You have to draft him. You have to build through the draft. I think it's the right decision to give a scoot. Um, and he's right. Dame's going to have to make a decision if he wants to stay with Portland for the next few years. If he wants to, if he really wants to be a Blazer for life, it's going to be a couple years until they're competitive. <laughs> like it just really is. There's not a magical trade out there. You know, they can add a piece here or there that can make them better and maybe contend for the eight seed or the seven seed. But Judah, man, he uh, really trashes kind of Dame and the roster right now and says, you know what, Mike Schmitz, you're doing a great job, buddy. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that Woj and uh, Mike Schmitz patting each other on the back, um, which, I again, I don't mind. I'm just, you know, that's what's going on there. Mike all, Schmitz might have been in the pr production room and we, given uh, that comment and right there. And we all there. know Olshay and Woj loved each other as well so oh, yeah nothing new with a lot Woj of bro hugs blazers, going on there blazers uh relationship with Woj. i will say if damian lillard retires a trailblazer the best chance of that happening is him retiring right now because you don't count the he one, is you not going to retire a trailblazer you don't count the one day contracts that people do no i won't count the one day <laughs> contracts that's not happening this is what Maybe they didn't come close to trading it. Do you think they even came close to trading it? Because what Woj said right there, and if it's Mike Schmitz talking to Woj, which it is, it doesn't sound like they even really seriously considered trading number three. And Shams had that report that the Blazers didn't really engage with anybody about that third pick. Joe Cronin talked about it. They had some offers, but they didn't take it. I I tend to believe Woj and Shams on that, that they didn't really even entertain it. And I think it's okay. Like, they saw Scoot Henderson... Either they knew the Hornets were really going to pick Brandon Miller and Scoot was going to fall to them, and they had to make that move. You, you, you can't trade that pick if Scoot Henderson falls to you at three. Like, you're just getting lucky. You're winning the lottery. Like that. And they would have taken Miller at three, right? I believe so. I believe they were making the pick no matter what. Yeah. And I don't think they – I think part of Cronin's comments, I don't think they were going to take Amon Thompson at three either. <laughs> it could have gotten way worse. If Scoot Henderson went two, oh, man, I mean – if, and that's the other thing, because Cronin did this whole, you know, thing on, I'm not drafting for need. I'm not drafting for need. I'm not drafting for need. Well, that's easy to say because there was no one that fit a need at three once Miller was gone. It's not like he had a choice. He also said, though, he also said he talked to Dame on Tuesday. At that, He was at that point, I didn't know who the Hornets were drafting. I wonder right. if he knew on Wednesday that the Hornets were really going to go with Brandon Miller. And then, he and then he talked to Dame and his agent on uh, on Wednesday. But so. he even told Dame Tuesday, he said, that there's a strong likelihood we're drafting at three. Yeah. Strong likelihood. So that, that is, tells me that they probably weren't going to trade it at any point. I tell you what, this is going to get messier before it gets any better. This is just the start of the messiness. Uh, talking about that uh, quote he had about draft talent over need. This was Joe Cronin at the press conference last night after the draft. Trailblazers, they'll be introducing all three draft picks tomorrow. Scoot Henderson, Chris Murray, and um, I can never remember the French guy's name. I'm talking about um, Rupert. Rupert, right? It's like Rupert, except it's Rupert. Ryan Rupert. Ryan Rupert. Uh, they'll be introducing him tomorrow. Cronin and Billups will both be available as well. But this is Joe Cronin last night talking about how it wasn't even thought. You draft for the talent over the need. A really important thing in a draft, and you know we hear it all the time, and probably here in Portland more than anywhere. Draft for talent, not need. It's critical, and. I just wasn't going to be 
moved at all by need, especially drafting that high. I was drafting the best player possible, and then we're going to figure it out. And I would love to hear your theory on this, Judah, because my theory in, in the NBA is 100% right, Joe Cronin. You draft for the talent, and you figure it out afterwards. Positionless basketball, we've seen the Warriors go super small. We've seen teams go super big. It doesn't matter. Like You just got to get the best talent out there, and you worry about the fit later. In the NFL, yeah, a little different. Maybe you need an offensive lineman, and you're going to, you know, uh, reach for one in the NFL draft or you overpay one in free agency because you really need that offensive lineman. Your team will fall apart without it. I think the NBA is such a star-driven league. You need talent on it. The Blazers are lacking talent. No matter what anyone says, Dame is awesome. After that, eh, talent is not great. Scoot Henderson, by far the second most talented guy in this team now. Well, maybe not by far. Him and Shane Sharp about tied, but they're lacking talent. I think you get the most talent you possibly can. You figure it out after that, and you hope you get the right coach that can uh, assemble the talent. Who knows if Chauncey's this guy, but what's your theory on uh, talent over need, especially in the NBA? Yeah, I completely agree. And you're right. The NFL is a little bit different, but even in NFL circles, you'll hear the talent over need uh, drum being banged a little bit louder now in the modern day of the NFL as well pr- compared to previous eras of, of the NFL. But, you know, a couple of things. Like he said, you hear it more in this market more than anywhere else why because drexler you know uh was the pick um for for portland at one point obviously bowie well i'm sorry that yeah, that it's the bow bowie and jordan yeah that's it's what influenced the bowie over jordan pick it's what influenced the odin over durant pick they took need over talent in both of those instances i'd argue odin was just as talented Maybe, maybe, but I, I'm not sure I would even get there. I, I don't blame. I would, the, yeah, I don't know that I could get there. I don't blame the Blazers for drafting Greg Oden. I don't blame I never him have, either, but that's I part. Of, but I, I would still put the Odin over Durant in the need over talent bucket. Okay, I, I would, I would. That's fine. Now, it's also ironic because who was the guy that took, uh, that took need over talent at number two last night? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. And here's Joe Cronin saying, I believe you take talent over need. MJ just took need over talent, and Cronin did the opposite. And look, we could be looking back on this in seven to ten years and be like, wow, we finally beat Mike in something. It's an interesting study because I do think you know a lot of Blazer fans wanted the need, and they wanted to fit that need and make that trade for a veteran player. But Joe Cronin said, no, we need to get the talent. And I, you know, I don't blame anybody that says – you got to get the need. The Blazers needed a wing. The Blazers needed veterans. Joe Cronin says, no, we need the talent. He goes with Scoot. I I think Joe Cronin made the right choice, but I understand anyone that does not think that way and would rather have, you you got to fit the need. And the team is more important than the actual talent. It's questionable now, I think, more in the NBA than it was before. Now the super teams are kind of gone, but um, I do think that talent still rules all in the NBA over coaching, over ownership, over everything. You got to get the right talent in there. Uh, former Blazer, we're gonna continue Blazers here real quick. Last last Blazer clip for the for the segment here. Former Blazer Jamal Crawford, he joined Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick asked Jamal Crawford, Jay Crossover, what he would tell Damian Lillard to do if he was in his shoes. Punch it. I would tell him to stay the course. Uh, I think out of all the guys that were in the draft, I be- I truly believe Scoot, even though he's young, is the most NBA ready physically. Uh, most ready mentally. I did an interview with him and just hearing his, his answers and how he looks at things and how he approaches things. And I asked him, I said, so you at 17 years old, your parents sent you across country. I said, that's a kudos to you and them, that they trust you enough to go there yeah. and that you're ready for that. Right. But so if I'm Dame, I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to give this young kid a chance. I know he's young. 
but if I go get another, let's say all-star, if he can bring the same kind of impact in year one, then maybe I can grow from here. But I'm not giving it a lot of time. I'll probably give it half a season, see how it works out. And then I'm not getting younger from Dame. I'm ready to go win a championship. I, I agree with Jamal Crawford here. I think if I'm Dame, I stay in Portland and I let Joe Cronin try to figure it out. Cronin has said, you know what? I want to add more veterans. And they have some assets to do that. Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little has been some interest. You know, there's rumors of him going to Cleveland. They may get a different roster. And I think Dame's going to hear it out. And so that's why I do think Dame stays in Portland at the start of the season. Now, it could go south real quick. And then Dame wants out at the trade deadline, at the all-star break, next season, whatever it is. But I do think uh, Jamal Crawford's on to something here and that Dame will stay in Portland until the regular season starts. But after that, all bets are off. That that doesn't make sense to me. And I know I, I'm saying that I think Dame gets traded in July at some point. And I I'll, I still believe that. But it does make sense what Jamal is saying, that he gives it a, uh, you know, he gives it a fair try. He gives it the old college try, as it were, as people with said, the 19-year-old. You know, that people will say that the Blazers deserve, or they, you know, Dame, Dame deserves it, right? Dame deserves to be have a team built around him. I think, dare I say that Dame, you know, lets the Blazers do one last shot. The Blazers have rewarded him handsomely with his career, with money, with fame, with running the franchise. He's gonna have a statue in front of the Motor Center. What is one more shot? One more bad. Uh, and he doesn't really want to leave deep down either. Right. Just like, you know, it's it's just, kind of a nuisance. Just to one more leave. off just one more off season. Just so, let it be. You're already half you're already after the draft. Just stay here the rest of the year. If it doesn't work out, then you figure it out. But if they're struggling, which they will be struggling, yes. there's no way he makes it past the trade deadline. You wouldn't no think way. so. You wouldn't think so. I I agree with Jamal. I think I think he stays here at the start of the year, but man, it could get like I said, I think he goes south real bad, especially if Joe Cronin doesn't make moves for vets, which I'm not sure he does. I again we have no idea what he's gonna do. He's been lying. He's been lying all offseason. Who knows what he does, but if they don't get any vets, this team is definitely not competing for anything. Um NFL, Travis Kelsey was responding to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase on the Cincinnati Bengals, he said, you know, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback, and he said Talking about Pat Mahomes, he said, Pat who? Well, we all know Patrick Mahomes. The Bengals out there talking like they're always talking, even though they haven't won the Super Bowl yet. But, you know, that rival between the Bengals and the Chiefs is full-blown. Travis Kelsey says, hey, Jamar, you're going to say this. You better back it up. Don't disrespect my boy, Pat Mahomes. Punch it. Thought it was a little bold, you know? (laughs) So the guy's a two-time league MVP, Mm two-time Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. To say Pat who is like... A little disrespectful. Who doesn't love some good locker room banter, man? Shout out to Jamar Chase for, you know, holding it down for his QB, but (laughs) don't you ever disrespect Pat Mahomes now. If you want to talk your talk your pimp, just better back it up. I want to like the Cincinnati Bengals. I find them so annoying. And we talked about this last year, Judah. You were all in on the Bengals, right? You were all in until the Cincinnati mayor, uh, you know, said that 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 it's, uh, what, Burrowhead? He said Burrowhead, but the thing that really ticked me off was when he said we have to take a paternity test to That's prove right. that Joe Burrow is Patrick Mahomes' father. I, I want to like the Just Bengals. so stupid. Joe Burrow is awesome. Jamar Chase is so much fun to watch, but, man, they talk a lot, and they make it so I don't like them. I want to like them so much. They have a lot of cool players, a lot of young players, and they're going to be great. Um, they have the highest win total in the NFL. I don't know if you know this, Judah. Their win total is higher than anybody else's in the NFL just based off their schedule and everything. I think it's... 
11 and a half. Yeah, it's, they're not the favorites to win the Super Bowl by any means, but you know they're right up there in the AFC. They're going to be great as long as Joe Burrow's there, but I just find them unlikable sometimes with all the trash talking they do. Like, you're great. You don't need to see saying Patrick, Pat who? Like, we yeah. know Patrick Mahomes. He's a Hall of Famer already. I don't know. That kind of bothers me a little it, bit. It bothers me as well. And I, I love the Bengals, and I had them, you know, we I remember with their divisional game with Buffalo. They were plus six and a half, and I was like, they're going to win the game. Yeah. And they went out there and won the game. They won comfortably, Trust obviously. Them, and, and I was like, yeah, that felt good. I also picked them on the money line against Kansas City in the AFC title again. But when the Cincinnati mayor came out with that stupid-ass video, God, I knew that bet was over. And I knew they were going to lose the game. And they lost in, you know, they were obviously right there as well. It was just that late hit out of bounds uh, that set up the, the field goal at the end of the game that got them. It would have gone to overtime. But to me, yeah, they got to prove it on the field now. Like, don't don't disrespect Mahomes. That's, that's a wrong move to make if you're Jamar Chase. So you can disrespect basically anybody else on that team, and I'd be okay with it. You could have said Travis who or Kelsey yeah. who. Like, that's funny because... Now it's like, oh, maybe you don't know if it's Travis or Jason. I don't know. But to say Pat who, that's that's the wrong move yeah, uh, the, out of Jamar. You don't need to give this guy any extra motivation than he already has when he played on one ankle and found a way to beat you in six-degree weather. Like, come on, man. He's the face of the league, man. We all know Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm with you. The Chiefs, man. Don't be talking trash to the Chiefs. But you know what? The Bengals are going to do the Bengals. That's, uh, that's what it is. Who is the Super Bowl favorite right now? Well, that's a good question. I want to say probably the Chiefs. Probably the Chiefs. Let me uh, pull up DraftKings. We'll kick here. Because uh, Buffalo was the favorite around the offseason, I, I Because you, we talked about this game a lot, the AFC Championship game, yeah. or, or the divisional game, Bills versus the Bengals. I was on the Bills, man. I thought the Bills were the best team in the NFL all season long, and they really you know fell off. I don't know what they're going to do this next season. But, yeah, the Chiefs, they are the favorite at plus 600. Eagles, plus 650. Then we got Buffalo the 49ers and the Bengals round out the top five. So the Bengals are right there. Like they, you know, they've proven some things. They're going to be there for a long time, but man, I don't know. Poking, poking the Patrick Mahomes bear before the season. seems like the wrong move for me. Uh, last one here, Michael Penix Jr. He's returning to Washington. He says that the Huskies can do something special this year because there's going to be a lot more familiarity with the playbook. Punch it. You know, I'm the only person that was, uh, that's ever been in that, this playbook you know, before last season, you know, so so having the rest of the guys, you know, being in the playbook, you know, for a year, you know, being in the system for another year, you know, just, I just feel like it's going to increase our, our level of play, you know, just um, our understanding of the play calling and everything, you know, so I feel like it's definitely going to be a positive for us, and um, I know that we'll be able to do something special. The Huskies, man, they got a lot of uh, a lot of things building their own direction. Dylan Johnson, a transfer from Mississippi State, he's a beast at running back. They're bringing back a lot of guys. This Washington team, they're looking really good on paper. Now, can Michael Penix Jr. stay healthy? I think that's one question you need to ask. But he's right. You know, year one, and, you know, Gonzano had Kalen DeBoer on the show. And he even said kind of like, you know, I was surprised almost basically that we won 10, 11 games. Like, he didn't think it was going to be that much of a, you know, that easy of a process. I think that they have a high expectation. They really, they really feel themselves up in Seattle. They think they can do some damage uh, in the Pac-12. Yeah, th this has got to be as high as expectations have ever been. I think for Washington yeah, football, a long time now. and rightfully so. I mean, their offensive coordinator Saban tried to hire him in the offseason at Alabama, Ryan Grubb, and he turned Saban down. He said, "Deuces to Alabama." Who does that, right? And decided to come back to to Washington. He's making you know a couple million. I think he's among. 
some of the highest paid offensive coordinators in the country now that are making over a million dollars. So, yeah, them, offensively, they're going to be amazing. Defensively, we'll see. They've got a couple of talented pieces. But, you know, the one thing about Jimmy Lake uh, going out in a blaze of glory is that people forget that he was a very good coach in the secondary yeah. uh, of those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and think about the number of draft picks, Elijah Molden included, but McDuffie as well, and the, and the kid that Chicago ended up getting um, in that same draft. Like They've had a lot of dudes in the secondary come and go, and they're not as strong in that positional unit since Jimmy Lake left. So that'd be my one question for Washington is, similar to Oregon, they're going to have explosive offense, even though Oregon's got a bit of a different shade of offense now post Dillingham now with Will Stein but defensively do they have the dudes and do they have the scheme to to be able to stay in games and stay on the front foot in games and allow their offense to thrive and shine Washington they open up their season against Boise State uh in week one that'll be a good matchup that does it for punch it audio we'll take a break here when we come back we'll talk about the Pac-12 schedules uh you know the point spreads are out I've been wanting to talk about this a lot I think I've texted John maybe about 75 times (laughs) hey John all the spreads are out let's talk about them and he's just to talk about so, you know what? He's gone. I want to talk about some spreads in week one, week two of college football. I'm excited about it. And some interesting spreads as well uh, with some of the Pac-12 teams. We'll talk about those next coming up on the Ball Face Truth. Ball Face Truth. We're back at it right now. Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Judah Newby is with me as well. As always, love having my guy Judah here. Just talking to the break, man. What, what do you got going on today? You got anything going on tonight with the family or the weekend? Anything good? I think there uh, there's a couple of concerts going around uh, our neighborhood that we might check out, which is which is going to be fun. Just like um, some live music at a park or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Live music at a park. We got a little one. She's uh, she's going to be turning two in a couple of months. So, so she just likes to you know march around and she loves man. She flies. She puts her foot in the ground and freaking goes. It's, I mean, she's she might be a receiver someday. I it don't gets know. worse. They just go fast. Like they have one speed. It's yeah. a sprint. Yeah, it's amazing. And and she uh, you know she she just loves going and moving. So trying to keep up with her is basically my weekend. What about you? Yeah, no. Uh, you know, Coach Vaughn. She is uh, she's out of town. Uh, she's in Washington D.C. at a coaching leadership conference at wow. the Capitol Building. Really? Yeah. Big, oh. big time. This is a be real, careful. This is a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I told her. I said, watch what you wear. Make sure you don't wear a certain color hat while you're down there. Uh, but no, no, I uh, just I kid, I kid, I kid. Uh, but yeah, no, great time. She's uh, met a lot of people. Met the co-owner of the Washington Nationals today. She took a picture uh, wearing the wa- the World Series ring Ooh, that they got. Nice. Uh, the Central Catholic football coach. Coach Pine, I believe, uh, he is one of the keynote speakers there. So I'm just waiting on the invite. Like, come on, Coach Vaughn. Like, what are we doing here? Get get me down there. Why am I not in D.C. <laughs> as well? Just hanging out, looking at all the uh, historical landmarks. And I told her that. I said, you know, you need to be the keynote speaker so they can pay for my trip as well. Because, you know, I would, love to, I would love to go to D.C. Have you ever? Yeah, you've never I've, been? No, I've never been off the West Coast besides Vegas. Actually, no, I, that's a lie. I went to uh, Orlando and Disney World once. Well, you've seen it all. I've seen it all. That's, you don't need to go anywhere else. That's you've it. I, I've, been to, I've been to Vegas. I've been to California. I've been to Arizona, Washington, Oregon, and then Florida. That's it. Yeah. No, I've always wanted to do the East Coast trip of like go to all the baseball stadiums. I always thought that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would Like be cool. one summer, you just kind of, you know, get an RV or something. You just travel up and down the East Coast. I did the thing where eighth grade trip to D.C. as a kid. And in the springtime, it was during the NBA playoffs. I remember this vividly when we were we toured a bunch of Civil War battlefields. And like when we were in downtown D.C., though, 
It was during, uh, I think this was spring of 05, I want to say. It was Warriors-Cavs first-round playoff series. A young LeBron, you know, third-year LeBron. And he hit a buzzer beater in D.C., like two blocks from where we were staying. We were staying at downtown Marriott and you know, the awesome. Verizon Center or whatever, you know, Gilbert was playing in back in the day. Antoine Jameson. And Jameson. Yeah. And they have this great game or and it was LeBron or Damon Jones, I think. Damon Jones hit this buzzer beater three. And I was like, we were all watching it, you know, a bunch of eighth grade boys that didn't know anything were watching the playoffs and we're like, dude, we're right there. Like the, oh my God, the Cavs and the Wizards uh, two blocks from us. And we thought it was the greatest thing ever. That is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, fun fact about Antoine Jameson. Did you know this? He's a uh, top 100 all-time in points scored in the NBA. That's wild. That's wild to me. Like, I, you got I've, some shots up. I've looked at his stats before because it threw me off one time. My son was asking me who like leads the NBA in scoring after LeBron did it. So we were going through. Mm. Uh, you know, Antoine Jameson, he basically played, you know, what did he play here? Uh, 15 seasons. He just averaged about 19 points a game every year. Like, that's about what it was. He's just like, hey, I'm a, I'm a bucket. I'm just going to get you 19, 20 points a night, and that's about it. How high is Jamal cross, uh, Crossover Jay on cross? that list? I don't on think he's list. on the top 100 there. He probably didn't play enough, <laughs> but he played a long-ass time, and he scored some buckets. He did. Um, speaking of uh, the Nationals and the co-owner, I love him. I told my wife to tell him that thank you because I bet on the Nationals to win the World Series that year. Whoa. Uh, the start of the playoffs. And speaking of betting, there's nothing I love better than betting, Judah. I think you've learned this about me. What kind of value did you get on the Nets? Do you remember? Um, I bet it, it was before the playoffs started. They had to. Were they in the the wild card? I game? think I think so. I want to say yeah. I got them at twelve to one. That's pretty great. Yeah, twelve to one. I remember the the series against the Dodgers. I was so nervous about it, and then Anthony Rendon hit the big home run. I just couldn't. I just went crazy. Then they were down three to two. Even better, down three two against the Astros on the road in Houston. I doubled down. Double I, down. I bet on because you know they had Scherzer and Dog. Strasburg. Scherzer and Strasburg. I go. They're gonna be. They should be favored in both games. Why would not? Why would I not bet them to win the series now? And I did, and they uh, doubled down. So I told them to say. Told them to say thanks for me. But I don't you know. Capitalized on the one high moment of Steven Strasburg's career. Well <laughs> exactly. Done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, World Series MVP Steven Strasburg. Is, was he really? I- incredibly. And Juan Soto crushed that homer. Yeah. I'm fairly certain he was a World Series MVP. Now I got to fact check it. Speaking but. of uh, futures, Pac-12. Yes, he was. Bet online, thanks to our friends over there. Well, my friends over there. <laughs> I don't know if everyone else is friends with that online, but I am. Uh, they <laughs> they know me. I know them. You know, they have odds out for futures in the Pac-12 for the first week. Um, I want to talk about week one games real quick here, Judah. There's some interesting lines, and we talked about this before off air. I know Oregon State taking on San Jose State week one. Now, Here's the interesting thing about this game. San Jose State, it'll be their second game of the season because they open up against USC at the Coliseum where USC is a 31-point favorite. Understandable. Lincoln Riley, uh, the returning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, everyone's back. 31 points, that makes sense. You know, San Jose State is supposed to be a middle-of-the-pack Mountain West team. They lost their best defensive player. But then they go to Oregon State. Oregon State comes to San Jose. Week two for San Jose State, week one for Oregon State. Probably... I'm assuming DJ Uyunglele is the starting quarterback at that moment. We don't know that for sure. It could be Google Branson, but brand new quarterback. It's going to be the only game that's on Sunday, 730. Actually, I don't know if it's 730, but. No, it's 1230. 1230. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, It's one of a few games on Sunday, but no, there's no other game in that time right. slot. Bet online lied to me real quick. I just glanced. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, because LSU Florida State, that's the big game on Sunday. But that's the only game on, on Sunday on CBS. DJ U, his first outing with the Beavs. On the road, the Beavers are 17-point favorites. 
Wow, it's 17 now. It went up to 17. I, mm. It seems like a lot. And am I, And I talked about this, you know, about a week and a half ago. I'm, I'm not worried about the Oregon State this season. But, man, the expectations went from not much last season to they are a real Pac-12 contender, and they're bringing in a lot of new pieces at big positions. You look at the secondary, they lost a lot. They're bringing in a new quarterback more than likely. Like, should I, I think San Jose State plus 17 is the play, and I, you know, I feel pretty good about it. 17 seems like a lot. Am I overlooking this, or am I just, you know, I underrated the Beavers right no, now? No, I'm totally with you, man. I mean, t- there's too many questions about the Beavers that, um, you know, to, to assume that they're going to go out and cover a 17 number against a team that won seven games against a coach that all he wants to do is beat Oregon State because he came from Oregon State and Brett Brennan. And it's a brand new stadium, I believe, as well. Brand new stadium, a quarterback that returns with experience. Like, they might go down to USC and lay an egg and get beat 55-13 to, to 13 because they're not going to show anything to Oregon State on film. Like, San Jose State is prioritizing Oregon State in week one. They're not prioritizing USC in week zero. And for that fact, like, new quarterback on the road, defense lost a lot of pieces. It's really hard to cover 17 against anybody, especially against a half-decent team on the road that really wants to to beat you down. So, yeah, 17 is just too big of a number. It's it makes a little bit of sense because everybody publicly across the country is excited that the Beavers are good, that they were a 10 win team, DJU, that there is just copy and paste. And but I think for any Beaver fan looking at it rationally and looking what was lost on defense and the and the growing pains at quarterback that could happen because it's such a drastic style, style change for DJ from Clemson to Oregon State. That I, I don't know how you can confidently lay 17 points there if you're a beef backer right now. And you, I, I agree. They'll win. I think they'll win, but I think they win it's well. really hard to cover a big number like that. Now, this is a little different apples to oranges, but last season, remember Oregon State went down to Fresno State. Fresno State was supposed to be the favorite in the Mountain West. One of them, they actually ended up winning Mountain West, uh, West Division at 7 1 in the conference, 10 4 overall. They won their last nine games of the year. Fresno State really wasn't great at that moment at the start of the year. Jake Hayner got hurt. He came back, yada, yada, yada. But do you remember that point spread ended up, Judah? Fresno State, Oregon State at Fresno? Man, I, I want to say it was one and a half or two for Fresno. Fresno was favored by a point. Really? And so, so to say Oregon State's favored by 17 over a team who went 7-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in conference last season in San Jose State, I feel like that's just a big jump. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Oregon State just comes down and they run down their throat, which is definitely possible. It's for sure possible because that Oregon State offensive line is going to be great. The running backs are going to be great. I mean, they have four legitimate running backs. And DJU, I think the underrated part about him is he's going to be able to run the football in short yard situations. Coletto was so big last season. Uh, maybe their best short yardage back. DJ Uyungle could be that this season. Like he is that, I, yeah, he's that good of an athlete. I definitely think so, and it's almost like too obvious a point to 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 make it, Mike, because with Coletto going, I feel like DJ's got that skill set. And then you know, I know Nigel Burton came on a few weeks ago, and some other guys have made this point before that Clemson ran DJ way too much in their opinion, and so maybe I might be cooling off DJ's legs a little bit at this point compared to where I was when he initially transferred, but I still think you're right. In short yardage, how can you not utilize your quarterback's legs? Because they could not, they didn't have that advantage with Colbranson or Chance Nolan or literally anybody, but for the next few years with DJ and Aiden Childs, they will. 
And I, I can't wait to see what Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren do to capitalize on the fact that they got a quarterback that can move around and make plays with his legs, maybe outside the pocket, number one, but also in short yardage situations, number two. I, I think that's a really good point. But we also looked into San Jose State a little bit, and they're a sneaky good run defense from last year to this year. I, they're losing their best defensive player. He was a fourth-round pick uh, to the Cowboys. Fourth-round pick to the Cow. I think he was conference player of the year defensively in the Mountain West last year as well. So... Losing but, him is is a loss for them, but I still think that it's going to be a tougher task right out of the gate for Oregon State than uh, than you might think. No, I, I agree with you because we've looked this up. Uh, San Jose State last season, their rankings wise, uh, they were a top ten run defense, not overall defense, but top ten run defense. Um, you know, just yards per carry, and that's the stat I like to look at. I like to look at yards per play, yards per carry. I think that really. Um, shows you how well a team is because sometimes teams score on a big chunk play, but then other times they get big negative plays or they get turnovers. I, I think yards per play kind of says this is how good this team actually is offensively or this is how good this team is defensively. There's these fluke plays, but I think on average that's how it is. So you know, a top 10 rush defense last season, lost their best defensive player, but bring back a lot on defense. I just think 17 is a lot when you're going to count DJ Uyungle's first game. Like, how comfortable is he going to be in the offense in his first live action? Are they going to be throwing the ball around? I don't think so. I, I like San Jose State in the game, plus 17, but I think Oregon State wins. I think they win maybe by 10 points, maybe by 14 points, but 17 seems like a lot. I think it's going to be a lot closer uh, than people are going to expect, and I think going forward, that could be a good thing for Oregon State, maybe take the bullseye off them just slightly, but at the same time, you know, Oregon State's been talking big all offseason saying you know we want to get to the Pac-12 title game, kind of want that target on you at the same time it's really fascinating to see what the feeling is with oregon state year over year because going into last year's non-conference it was boise state fresno state and montana state of providence park and we weren't really sure where the beavers were going to finish in that stretch i i picked boise state in the opener yeah and i was dead wrong i thought it, it, i thought they split them yeah and they you know they the boise had to take out bachmeyer their starting quarterback after the first quarter of the, the first transfer. game of the season. <laughs> and, but you know, Avalos didn't know what hit him. He's like, man, I didn't remember Reezer like this. Uh, so, that, did, and, then, and then the Fresno win, and now we're talking about a non-conference with, yeah, you're going to beat UC Davis at home, but you also got two other, you know, Mountain West clubs in San Jose State and San Diego State, and right now everybody's saying, hey, 3-0, and man, 3-0. and And it's like, wow, we would have. We would not have guessed that this would be where the program's at at this time last year. It's just a spot. It's a spot play. Like, if it was at Oregon State in Corvallis, I would say 17's about right. But on the road, new new stadium, new quarterback. Where do you think it lands by kickoff? Obviously, we're months away. But what's your your guess when we get through fall camp? You know, injuries aside... Where does it where does it end up finishing? I think it's right around seventeen, if not higher. I think people love really? I think people love Oregon State this year, and yeah. I just think this is a tough spot. Week one, every, all eyes are on you, new quarterback. I think it's gonna be a tough spot. Remember what the Georgia Oregon line was last year? Like fourteen, and then went to like 20. it went all the way up to seventeen and a half. Yeah. And by the way, we both laid Georgia, and we're right. Mm. And I had the under, and was also right. You think you think that Oregon State should be favored at San Jose State, true road game? 
by the same margin that Georgia was favored over Oregon? I don't. I don't think that. I just <laughs> don't, exactly. I just don't think that. I, don't, I think it's going to come down by kick. I think it will probably end up being around 14 and a half, 14 by the time we get to the actual game. and Because there will be guys like Felica and all the other betting experts that get on the record and be like, Here's one line that stinks to me, yeah. and we're the ones that are getting ahead of it right now. So if you want to, you know, be a Beaver fan that exercises a little bit of of measured optimism, go ahead and you know play San Jose State now while you can. Because I don't see that number getting any higher. I don't know. It'll be interesting, man. September third can't come fast enough. I, I'm fascinated by that game. I think San Jose State can keep it close, uh, but we'll see, and we'll keep talking about it. I mean, more so much stuff still. To come. How about us? Off-season. How about us? Just do a whole Beaver San Jose State segment God, on June twenty third. That's pretty love good. It. Love it's it. Pretty good, uh, let's talk about the other games coming up after the break. There's some other Pac twelve games in week one that are very intriguing to your boy Steven over here on the when I'm looking at the board. Listen to the bald face truth on the bald face truth radio network. So I'm checking here on Twitter, and um, I think this person seems legitimate enough, but it says Scoot Henderson will wear number double zero for the Portland Trailblazers next season. Interesting choice. Uh, Judah, do you remember who the last Blazer, Blazer to wear number double zero was? He played on the team last season for about five games. Mm. I, I was going to go with uh, Cantor, but uh, now I don't think so. The old GP2. <laughs> he, uh, the hated one that is here in Portland, he wore uh, double zero last season. Looks like uh, Scooby number double zero. I don't like double zero as a number. What do you think? Was I like that, zero. Uh, I like single zero. Was, was that, that Duckworth? Yeah, yeah, that was Duck. I feel like, yeah, I love Duck. But he had the round belly to go with it. You got to have the round belly to go with it. I think that's key. Like, you you know, you got to embrace that. Just like you've wear an eight. But uh, no, Scoot Henderson looks like he wear double zero. Uh, Interesting choice to me, but I like it. That's fine. Fine with me. Um, All right. So we're talking about uh, some college football lines here. As I am the degenerate that I am, I'm always looking at the lines, looking forward. And uh, we talked about Oregon State, San Jose State, that line. Started out a little lower, 16 and a half, 16. That was up to 17. Should be uh, very interesting to see where that goes by kickoff all the way in September. But the other line, the other game that I want to talk about is Colorado TCU. We talked about this um, the other day, about Colorado and Coach Prime not having to get, you know, amputated foot, which is great news. They open up at TCU against the um, national runner-ups as they got demolished by Georgia in the championship game. But they're at TCU. TCU right now is a 20-point favorite. You know, I'm I'm higher on Colorado than a lot of people. And I understand why you wouldn't be. Uh, Deion Sanders and Coach Prime, he is uh, he's a very, you know, he's a very, um, I can't think of the word now, but, uh, you know, controversial coach, I guess. Like, you know, 51 new players are coming into Colorado Apparently how he got rid of some of the players just, you know, didn't even know their names, just said, hey, see you later. People didn't like that. But you know what? He followed all the rules. And that's the thing is Coach Prime, he came into a 1-11 situation in Colorado, looked around and said, this team is not very good. And they lost all their games by 20, 28 points was average loss per game for Colorado, double any other team in the Power Five. They needed to make some different, uh, different changes, and they did that. And now they're going to open up against TCU down in Fort Worth, 20-point favorites is TCU. I do like Colorado in the game to cover. Now, I don't think they win this game, but you know, as I've talked about before, Colorado, they open up at TCU, then they're at home in Boulder against Nebraska in an old-school Big 8 rivalry. I do like Colorado to win that game. I think they at least get one of them. So maybe they pull it off against TCU, but you look at Colorado. Shadur Sanders, I really like what he's done. You go and you watch some film on that guy. 
he gets the ball out quick, and he's very accurate. And I think that's going to be very important for the Colorado Buffaloes this season because they got some talent at wide receiver. They got some transfers that they came in, obviously transfers everywhere, but they got some good transfers that are fast and quick. And Dion has talked about their receiving core and how talented they are. They have a lot of faith in them. And Stuart Sanders gets the ball out very quickly, very accurately, and he's going to get these guys in space. And I think these, these guys at receiver can make the difference or make some plays down the field. And the question with the, with the Buffaloes is offensive line and defensive line. Defensively, they got some guys that can get after the, after the quarterback. They got some uh, high-level transfers from Power 5 schools that they really like that they think can get, you know, get some pressure on, and it'll be okay. But the offensive line is the big question. They're bringing in a couple transfers that were MAC players, uh, one player from Jackson State as well. They return two guys from Colorado on the offensive line. That's not good. They're 1-11. They're bad. They return two on the offensive line. Could be starting. So I do think that Shadur Sanders, the fact that he is so good at getting the ball out quickly, is going to be helpful, especially in week one. They're going to get the guys in space. And TCU, they're not strong defensively. They lucked out a lot last season. I, I bet against them a lot. And I think, you know, defensively, they weren't very good. Offensively, they were fine. With Max Duggan, they were really, you know, explosive. But I think they got some holes on the defensive side. And Sonny Dykes, I don't trust him as a coach. I still don't. I like Colorado plus the 20. I think they keep it somewhat close. And I think Shadour Sanders has a nice coming out party in his first game uh, on this level. And Colorado, you know, they won't be the talk of college football, but the fact that they keep it close, and I think they cover the spread, Judah, I think that uh, we'll still be talking about Colorado coming into week two when they play Nebraska. Well, is TCU like the most disrespected national runners up of all time? As they should be. <laughs> It's like the Miami Heat in basketball this year. Like they were the worst team to ever make the NBA Finals. Like they're fine. They're a fine team, but like Max Duggan is this is the Caleb Martin equivalent of of college football. Definitely. Definitely. Where did he go? Like sixth round, maybe. But yeah, I mean, and they I, lose Quentin Johnson as well. Like they're losing people on the offensive and side. Avila, their their guard, he was drafted by the Rams in the second round. I thought he was awesome. I was hoping Seattle would take him, and McVay poached him one spot ahead of us, but. Yeah, it's going to be – I don't mind, you know, exercising a little bit of negative thinking on TCU because I think you're onto something there. It really comes down to me on how ready Colorado is and how ready um, their offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, is. I Now i got to go back. i got to watch some Kent State stuff to get a feel for what exactly they're going to ask Shadur to do. Um, but it feels a little Kyler-ish to me. And yeah. Kyler and, and Kingsbury, obviously, was a lot of air raid type stuff. So – I could be way off on that, but I, I would agree with you that Shadur is a guy that wants to get the ball out of his hands quick. Unless something's not there, then creates some magic with the legs. And it sounds like Kyler, when, when he's healthy, you know, it could work in the college game. We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll definitely Especially with an offensive line that's not so hot. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I think that's the key is that they know their offensive line is bad, so they're going to game plan around that. Um, you know, other interesting games, real quick here, Florida at Utah, obviously. Utah's nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Stanford's going to Hawaii. They're eight-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. USC takes on Nevada week one, not week zero, week one. They're 38-point favorites. Washington, 15.5-point favorites against Boise State. So interesting games in week one for the Pac-12. Uh, we'll get away, come back. Next up, hour three, the happy hour on this Friday afternoon. We got the 5-5. Five five. We got the voice of the Trailblazers, Travis Demers. He'll join us later on in this hour. You're listening to the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Bald Face Truth Radio Network. The Bald Face Truth Hour 3, the happy hour. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. John will be back next week in his comfy chair. I'll be back in my comfy chair. Judy will be back in his comfy chair.
We've been talking about the Blazers a lot today, talking about Scoot Henderson, talking about lying and Joe Cronin being a liar. You know, I don't care that he's been lying. I feel like this happens in sports all the time. I've played numerous examples of how it happened, how liars happen, whether it's coaches or GMs or players. Like this happens all the time in sports. It's nothing new. And so for Joe Cronin to do it, it doesn't necessarily bother me. It's a must-lie situation. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I love the pick of Scoot Henderson. I wish I wish it was a different circumstance that we could just be enjoying the draft pick that is Scoot Henderson and the talent that he is and the fact that maybe he could be that star player. Maybe he's the next Damon Lillard. I don't know. He probably won't be. Hard to replicate a guy like Dame, but maybe he's that good. And I feel like it's a day we should be uh, celebrating Scoot Henderson, but instead, a lot of drama, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of name-calling of Joe Cronin in the Blazers' front office. I just I want to celebrate Scoot a little bit, but we'll do that another day as the season rolls closer. Blazers draft pick. Uh, the draft three guys, no trades. Be interested to see what they do the rest of this offseason. But as we do every single day on the Ball of Face Truth, we do the five at five. So Judah Newby, he will handle it. The Good. five at five. Cut me off. Jerk. No, I'm just kidding. I, just, I was just rambling. So, uh, all right, Judy, give it to me. Number one. All right, number one uh, is kind of an interesting one for me, but uh, we didn't talk about it much yesterday because we were so focused on the draft, but the submersive uh, story has come to a, had an end and uh, had the implosion in a very sad way, but a bizarre situation all the way around. I was just curious what you thought of it. Obviously, it was tough to uh, talk about that much in the middle of the NBA draft, but I had a people, some people are calling in wanted to talk about it during our draft coverage. I'm like, well, we're not really talking about it right now. Like, I'm sorry, but we're, we're not really talking about it. And, but there's so much that's been made of it. I, I had to lead off with it today. It's uh, it's a scary situation for sure. Uh, it's like we talked about. I, I, it's not something I would have done. I would not have put myself in that situation. But I feel like when you are putting yourself in a in a machine like that with uh, not a lot of uh, safety harnesses around it to get you out of situations, sticky situations. I'm not saying you you get what you ask for, but when you go down 12,000 feet or wherever it was, you can't really communicate with people. It's, it's tough. Like it's a sad situation all around. I feel bad, but um, you know, the, the stepson of one of the guys he's uh, been on Twitter. He's been tweeting some weird things. Yeah, it's been weird. Uh, Blink 182 concert while he's getting mad at everybody for not showing condolences. Uh, talking to uh, OnlyFans people and uh, telling them to sit on him in certain places. So it's just it's a weird situation all around. I don't. Yeah, it's kind of it's like it's like the Dame situation. I just want it to be <laughs> over, so I'm glad it's over. Uh, but I am sad with the outcome because obviously you don't want these people uh, to lose their life. So uh, that, that's my that's my official take on it. Happy it's over, but sad how it ended. Number two, uh, Mariners are in Baltimore this weekend, and their game is currently in a delay uh, on 7.50. The game here will pick up coverage in progress at 6. But Adley Rutschman against the Mariners. I think last year they came up to Seattle, and Adley hit a home run and had a bunch of people uh, you know, in, in the stands from Oregon State and, and Sherwood, and it was awesome. Is Adley Rutschman the next great Pacific Northwest MLB baseball player? And Maybe that's the wrong question. Is he already the, I, I the great? <laughs> Can he be the best player to come from the Pacific Northwest or maybe Oregon in particular? You're going up against the likes of Jacoby and Dale Murphy, uh, etc. Can he do it? 
I mean, he can definitely. Uh, he, he's. I mean, Murphy gr- won a won an MVP. It's a great start. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for Shohei Otani being in the American League, I think Adley would be getting more MVP talk because the Baltimore Orioles are are actually good. Like, yeah. Ever since Adley got called up, the Orioles are a completely different team, which is crazy to think about because think how bad. Remember how bad the Orioles were? Like, they were the laughing stock of baseball. Adley comes up, and it just fully changes the dynamic of the team and the culture and we talk about culture a lot on this show and how important it is Adley's the ultimate culture center like he's a guy that works hard a guy that respects the game a guy that you know gives it his all every single pl- every play and cares about people you see that a lot of times after they get saves he always goes and hugs the pitcher you know hugs the closer Felix Batista like that's what he does Orioles 45 and 28 on the season second place in the AL East ahead of the Yankees by five games he may be and uh, they're up five games in the wild card to be the first wild card team. I would love to see Adley and the Orioles get in the playoffs. And then I'd love to see uh, the Mariners. Huh? How about them make a little comeback, get to the wild card? Mariners take on Adley in the wild card. That would be uh, that'd be delightful and delicious. I would love that. But no, I think you're right. I think Adley definitely has the potential to do it. He may already be there. He may already be that guy. But man, he's awesome. And the Orioles have totally changed their direction with that draft pick. I mean, it was... It was, it was, you know, back when he got drafted number one, there really was no question if Adley should be the first pick or not. It was just whoever has the first picks taking Adley Rutschman. And, you know, it's good to see when those guys really, you know, don't give in to the pressure or they don't get into the hype. And it's not hype with Adley. It, it's all real. And uh, he's leading the Orioles. So, yeah, catch that. That game was in a rain delay. So we'll be carrying a lot of it on uh, the flagship here at 750 the game. And uh, be sure to tune into that after Bald Face Truth uh, with me and Judah. Number three. Number three, Steven, I know you're the king of fashion, so you'll appreciate this one. But what did you make of the drip from Grady Dick, the Toronto Raptors draft pick at 13 overall? And what he was wearing, there was a a bunch of funny captions on it, this bright red, shimmery, shiny thing that he was uh, decked in from from head to toe. Either you hated it or you thought he owned the draft. Where do you stand? I, uh, in the hate, I'm in the hate it. I hate it. You can go <laughs> away with that. I don't know if you watch The Righteous Gemstones. Do you watch that no, show? No, I do not watch okay, The Righteous Gemstones. It is, uh, it's a show on Max, not HBO Max, just Max. Uh, it's a great show. John Goodman, Danny McBride. Oh, cool. Adam Devine. But there's a character in the show, and he looked similar to him i retweeted it out and it's a funny character in the show like he just looks like a clown like he just looks so dumb (laughs) i feel like at this point like the nba back in the day when everyone's wearing jerseys of the game and they had to institute a dress code they need to go dress code at the nba draft they need to go dress code like you can't have so many sparkles or something on your on your suits i'm down with some i'm down down with some bling but to be over the top like that, it just it just was it looked funny. Grady Dick just looked funny out there. I didn't like the suit. I liked the way I liked Scoot's grill that he had. Scoot had a nice grill in his teeth. It looked great. I think Grady Dick's outfit was just it was trying too hard. And I don't like that. I don't like to try too hard. I mean I'm wearing basketball shorts right now. Full disclosure. But I work on radio, so it's going okay. on like the fourth, fifth day thousandth straight day. Yeah. I only I, gym I told that about told that to John, like I can't be a country club guy. I, I, I wear basketball shirts. They don't allow me to wear a country club. I'm not, I'm not that guy, pal. I'm not that guy. So, uh, 
Don't call me pal, bro. <laughs> Grady Dick can get out of here with that outfit. I, I was not a fan of it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I hated it. Uh, did you have any overall takes on the broadcast from ESPN? That's getting a little bit of buzz. The fact that they didn't really, they don't really talk basketball anymore on uh, the mothership. They just talk human interest stories. Well, that's uh, kind of the NBA for you. They don't really talk basketball. It's never on the court. It's always <laughs> off the court and trades and drama and. Uh, I know Malika Andrews, University of Portland product. She was getting a little backlash for bringing up Brandon Miller's, you know, involvement in the murder case as she should bring it up. Like that's a real thing that happened. He was involved in it. You I don't gotta understand bring how it up. that's controversial. Yeah, I don't either. You Part gotta... of the consequences of being involved in something like that is that it's going to be brought up on the biggest moments of your life. Like that's part of why you don't get involved in a situation like that. Like I understand he's not going to get charged with anything. Probably legally, legally didn't do anything wrong, but. He brought a gun to a murder scene. Like that's that did happen, and it's okay to question it. It's okay to bring it up. Like I, I don't know. I think ESPN doesn't do a great job with basketball in general. Like I don't really like Kendrick Perkins. I think he's a little over the top and doesn't know what he's talking about. I like Richard Jefferson. I like uh, JJ Redick, Jay Billis. I can do without. I yeah, think me too. He, I think he's not very good. So no, I mean that. I like JJ. Um, the other lady on it. I liked her. She was very informative. Uh, but Monica McNutt, who's doing all the interviews, she did a good job. I thought is fine, you know, bringing up a lot of human interest stories because I know people like that. And, and I'm glad she didn't bring up like tragedies, right? That's the NFL. There, yeah, there's been some trash where it's like, oh, and your parent died, and your parent died, and your parent died. Your parent like, died oh from God. an overdose, and then your other parent committed oh. suicide or something. It's oh, like, no, brutal. let's not bring that up on your on your and day. And now but... you're on a rookie scale contract in yeah. the sixth so round. I, overall, I would say. I'd give it a C plus, maybe a C. It was average. Yeah, it was solid. It wasn't. Is that solid? <laughs> then C minus. Then I'll go C minus. It wasn't that great. I, I don't really like a lot of the people on there. So I like Blake Andrews. I think she does a good job. But Woj, you know, and Woj can't tweet out all the stuff. I thought it was weird that he's muted the whole time because ESPN didn't want to blow the picks. And uh, I also think Woj has somebody handling his Twitter account. Shame Burner. Burner account? It's not a burner, but like. Well, he's got people. Somebody's, yeah. And the graphics that he does with his breaking news, like, there's no way he actually is on Canva. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Bobby Marks. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Well, just got, he's got people. So I'd say it was a C to C minus. It was fine. Maybe Mike Schmitz is putting together his tweets. I know he gives me this of that dual income. He says, "Hey, whoa! Just say this about the Blazers draft. I did a great job. Did you see what I did? Copy paste. It I, would have been malpractice to I got, trade the third pick. I got malpractice. Three, three first round talents. Did you see that? Whoa! Did you see that? We did a great job. Oh, Congratulate schmitty. me. <laughs> All right. Number four. Number four. So, um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but Dion gave a little bit of an update. Uh, he's not going to need an amputation on his on his left foot, but he is going to have uh, surgery. I think it was this morning that he had surgery um, to to uh, uh, solve some of the blood clots that were in his groin area. But I think he's going to be okay. I know you talked Colorado a little bit earlier, but seems like Dion's going to be on the up and up going into the rest of this off season in full camp. Yeah, uh, great news. I didn't have to get amputated or anything. I think you know, I'm a big Dion Sanders guy. I think he's. I think he's good for college football. I think he's good for the Pac-12. And I'm rooting for him to be successful. I I think the question is, is he an actually good coach? We don't know that. We know he can recruit. We know he can get in front of the camera and he can, you know, he can sell his school. He can sell his team, sell his people. But can he actually coach the X's and O's? But he's got some good coaches in there. He's got the talent in there. I hope they're successful. I'd love to hear, you know, that, you know, things are going okay. He doesn't get that amputated. It's just, 
it, it's sad when stuff like that happens, but uh, especially the guy is still, I mean, he's not like a super old guy. Like, you know, he's had some medical issues. So love to hear that Dion doesn't have to get amputated. And I hope everything goes well for him because uh, he's grinding, man. He, he's a grinder. He's always out there. Uh, as he would say, you know where to find him. So, uh, you know, best wishes to Dion with all the recovery stuff. Uh, that is definitely a scary situation. So hopefully he's good. Number five. Number five. I'm going to go with uh, Damian Lillard going on IG Live. And I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but how can you go on IG Live and then just coincidentally, the song playing in the background, and this was just this afternoon, just, just before 3 o'clock, before we started the show, uh, Lillard went on Instagram Live, and he was just, you know, chatting it up with his followers and didn't really say anything at all, it seemed. But there was one song playing in the background that's been captured and uh, republished, and the song was Will Smith's Welcome to Miami. Big deal. Not a big deal. Just hilarious. I think part uh, of the NBA. I think, yeah, I think it defines the NBA. I think it has nothing to do with anything. Now, I think the question is, did he plan it? Right? Like, did he yeah. put it in someone's ear? Like, hey, play Welcome to Miami at some point. Then I know, hey, we're going on IG Live. Or was it all a real coincidence, as his guy, Nate Jones, said? Just a coincidence, guys. Don't worry about it. Nothing to see here. He's just laughing. He didn't say any words. He was just laughing. All the comments are like, hey, welcome to Miami. My Dave to Miami. I don't know, man. It's just it's just the classic NBA for you. Like, you would love to hear Dave be like, no, no, no. Hey, guys. This, next song, please. Next song here. We're fast forwarding. But he didn't say that. And I go, it's just, it's just the NBA for you. It's Dame for you. So I think I would say, I would say little thing. I, I don't think it's nothing. I think there's always something. When you put out a cryptic tweet, when you put out something, there's a reason why you did it. When Chris Haynes tweets out that Dame hasn't had contact with the Blazers, there's a reason why they want that out. I think there's a reason why Dame went on his IG live with Welcome to Miami playing in the background. There was a part of a reason why he did that on purpose. I think it's a little deal, uh, but I still think Dame going to be Portland Trailblazer at the start of the season. Wherever he is, and I don't know exactly where he is. Maybe he's still in Europe, but probably still in Europe. But um my working theory is that Pat Riley was actually running DJ that night. Pat Riley found found a way to get to wherever Dame is, and he's the one spinning the tunes and started playing Welcome to Miami. That That's my theory. Riley. That guy will go to all ends to accomplish his goals. Pat Riley and Spolster, they hired a hacker. They hacked into the DJ's computer, and they just or they did it. it. Yeah, they did it themselves. They made it play Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Miami. They, they have on-budget hackers. Love that. They will do everything. I will not rule out anything with Pat Riley. That's five and five. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, Pat Riley, and he's awesome. That's the thing. Like, what we've been talking about, like, how the Blazers should build their team, whether it's through a trade, through the draft, and Blazer fans are mad that they didn't make a trade, right? They're mad they didn't put, get veterans around Dane with that third pick. Maybe they're mad they didn't trade the 23 pick for a veteran. But the Blazers, the way you build your team is through the draft. And so I think it's great the way they did it. The way Miami builds their team is not through the draft. It's through trades. It's through free agency. But they're in Miami. They're not in Portland. It's a, more of a destination. I think we still we underestimate the fact that it's Portland, Oregon, and players don't necessarily want to play here all the time. And we just think, oh, well, you know, we can just get whoever we want by trade. No, or by free agent. No, it, that's not how it works. Like, the players have so much pull in the NBA that they can kind of say, you know what, I want to go to this team. I want to go to this team. And teams are usually pretty good about it where they try to get them to those teams. I mean, we think about these past big trades. Now, Bradley Beal had a no-trade class, different story. But, like, James Harden wanted to go to Philadelphia. He wanted to go to Brooklyn back when he was with Houston. Uh, you know, 
Kevin Durant wanted to go to Phoenix. Those were one of the teams he wanted to go to. They could have traded him to Minnesota if Minnesota offered him a package, but they didn't. They don't. They don't do that in the NBA. They'd still like to give the respect to the players. They have so much pull. So I think when you're Dame, like, and you say Brooklyn and Miami are the two teams that you'd want to play for, it kind of you know boils down to those are the teams that he's the Blazers would trade him to if they're actually eventually going to trade him. So it is. It's that's why it's a little deal that uh, you know that song plays in the background. Well, and those are the two teams that would be able to have the assets and have the point guard need for him too. Like not every team really needs a point guard as great as Dame is or has the assets to be able to acquire him and absorb his big salary. But Miami and Brooklyn, look, and we got to be honest, it wasn't like Custer the other day was saying, hey, out of all the teams in the league, where would you want to go? And he said Miami. Custer said, okay, here's Miami, here's Brooklyn, here's, you know, whatever, the couple other places that were being rumored for him. And he said Miami, obviously, and then Brooklyn, because I'm boys with Bam, and they're in the title right now, and I'm boys with Mikhail. So, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's it's too weird. It's too weird to be on IG Live with Welcome to Miami playing in the background and not expect people to run with that and be like, whoa, what, what's what's going on here? I get it, and that's why I think there's, there's always a little something uh, to that fact. But, you know, it, it's... I, I... Yeah, it's just, it's the one NBA. of these, this whole situation Crazy. with the Blazers and Dame, it's just, Dame doesn't want to be with the Blazers, the Blazers don't want to be with Dame, but neither want to, you know, get the divorce. Nobody wants to do that, and I understand for both sides, both both parties want to be the good guy, they don't want to have a bad look to their, to their names, but at some point, someone's got to make a move and ask for a trade or just trade that player and end it, because the, the actions speak much louder than words. I've said that before, I'll say it again. Joe Cronin doesn't want to build around Dame. And he proved that last night in the draft when he drafted Scoot Henderson at three. And then he drafts Chris Murray at 23. And then drafts Ryan Rupar. What? Rupar, what? the second round pick, doesn't make a trade for a vet. What's your Chris Murray take I, at 23? That I, was weird. I tweeted gross. Um, that, was my, that was my take on Chris Murray. I'm not a big Chris Murray fan. And I know he's a twin brother with Keegan Murray, who was the fourth pick in the draft, had a nice rookie year for the Kings. But they're different players. Uh, Aaron Murray is big, and I will say that the one thing he has going for him is he has NBA size. Aaron Murray. What did I say? You that, said Aaron Murray, the like former the quarterback? George quarterback. George, yeah, <laughs> Chris Murray. Chris Murray. Yeah, Aaron Murray. I'm thinking college football. Chris Murray has size. Chris Murray has size. Six seven, six eight. Legit, legit NBA size. But I don't think he has any other NBA skills that translate. He's not a great shooter. He's not a great defender. He's not a great dribbler. Not a great rebound. Like I don't think he's good at any one thing. And I think that's a problem in the NBA. Like you have to have one skill. I don't think he has it besides size. It's kind of like Nasir Little. He has the athleticism to be in the NBA, but what's his one skill? Like, he's becoming a better shooter, but he's still not a consistent shooter. I think that's a problem. I think Chris Murray falls in that category as well. well he just he just doesn't have any NBA skill that really translates. Do you think there's anything to, like, Brooklyn had two picks in front of Portland at 21 and 22, and Portland had 23, and then you know how you've been talking up Jaime Jaquez as, like, would have been a great guy for Portland to take it at 23 maybe he ends up going second round, I think. No, to, he goes to Miami, first round. In the first round of Miami? So Miami take. Is there anything to that where, hey, if you're talking potential Dame trade down the road this offseason, there's some Brooklyn picking guys that Portland would be okay with, and there's some Portland picking a guy like the Iowa kid that Brooklyn may have liked or Miami may have liked, and then Miami takes a guy that, hey, maybe Portland would want back in any kind of Dame trade in Hawkins. I mean, I'll say this. like, If that's the case, I would love it because I love Jaime Hawkins, who got drafted by the Heat. I like Noah Clowney, who was drafted by Brooklyn. Right. He's a good uh, good big player. Like, I think he's a, you know, he's going to be a solid big in the NBA. He can shoot the basketball. Uh, 
I wouldn't hate it. I think it, I think it's you know smart. I think that could be happening. Uh, but again, that, that's a few layers deep into you know potential it's, trades it's, yeah. here. This is Cronin talking with Riles, talking with Sean Marks, and yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm who's not, the odd man out there? I'm not ready to say Joe Cronin's pulling off a move like that yet. That's that's just me. I'm not making me wrong. But he I'm didn't just, convince you. Last I, night, no, not with his, not his, with his incredible time. charisma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of the Trailblazers, coming up next, we will have the voice of the Trailblazers making his bald face truth debut. Travis Demers, my friend, he will join the show. We'll talk about the NBA draft, talk about the Blazers, talk about all things uh, Portland. Coming up next here on the Bald Face Truth. Welcome back, Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano right now, making his bald face truth debut. Local legend, the voice of the Portland Trail Blazers. Blazers. That's how you say it. My friend Travis Mers. Travis, what's going on, bro? Oh, not much. Does uh, Does John know that you're having me on? Like, is this even allowed? I. Uh, he, he's been on for how many years? And uh, granted, I've been working for competitive stations for years, but he, he's never had me on before. I will say, I uh, I actually did run it by him. I wanted to make sure it was okay. I knew, I knew he was going to be on. I said, hey, John, is it okay if I have Travis Demers on? He's a free agent. I, I promise. He's a free agent. I can have him on. He's like, yeah, it's fine. So you're good. You're good. Good to know. Um, first off, you know, just how uh, how's the off season going for you? You know, it's a it's a grind. I know for you, for everybody, it's a good grind, but it's a grind with the season. How's uh, how's the off season going with you, family, and the kids? Well, let me put it this way: we uh, we just finished up uh, racing some remote control cars in the backyard. Moved right on into uh, Friday night pizza and movie night. So that's that's what we got going on today, but. You know what it's like being at home with your kids in the daytime. You know, there's it's awesome and exhausting, and sometimes you want to break from this break. I guess you would call it, but yes. no, it's great. Well, and I'm glad I'm glad I can uh, provide that for you. Um, it's NBA Absolutely. draft, of course. Last night, Scoot Henderson being picked. You know, going and listening to a lot of the so-called draft experts, they love what the Blazers did in the draft with the three picks: uh, Scoot, and then Chris Murray, and then Ryan Rupert. Uh, what, what was your overall thoughts and your takeaways from the draft? And and do you think that these guys can contribute day one if they still are in, uh, in a Blazer uniform? You know, here, here's a term that we heard for a long time that we haven't heard from for a while. In a vacuum, these are great draft picks, right? I mean, you look individually, Scoot Henderson is, you know, in, in theory, according to all reports, he's going to be this next guard in the mold of, you know, a pre-injury Derek Rose, John ja Morant, somebody like that with the athleticism and all that. That's great. Um, you know, Chris Murray is uh, is an older kid. He's going to be 23 when the season starts, who's long, who can rebound, who can play defense, who can shoot a bit. And that's really the, the kind of rookie that can step in right away. And then Rupert, you know, we saw the reports that he's, you know, it was guaranteed a deal. We don't know the if, if that's true or not, but a super young kid who turned 19 less than a month ago. And, you know, the only thing I knew about him before yesterday is that he existed. And that's still about all, all that I know about him. So I don't know if he can come and contribute, but it certainly seems like Scoot and Chris Murray can based on, you know, their pedigree, the things that, that they've done in their young careers that they should be able to, to step in and contribute right away. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, Mike Schmitz because I feel like, when Mike Schmitz came in, you know, everybody respected him as being really good at his job at, you know, evaluating talent. And you can go back and you can go look back at his Twitter. And he, he talked about Ryan Repair when he was 17, I believe, and was raving about yeah. him. Last season, it was Shaden Sharp. He, he raved about Shaden Sharp. Blazers ended up picking him. Does this just show that the Blazers have put a lot of trust into Mike Schmitz and his opinions when it comes to the draft? The fact that they're, they didn't necessarily trade it for the vets, but they want to build with his mind. 
Yeah, and you, you don't hire somebody like that if you don't plan on trusting them, right? Otherwise, why, why do you have them on the payroll? Um, so for whether it's him or Sergio Oliva or Andre Patterson or anybody else who's in the scouting department, you know, you, you look at all of those people and they all have input and they all have, you know, some type of say and they're taken seriously, right? So with, with all of those people and then all the analytics people that have been added to the staff in the last year or so, they spent a lot of money in, in building up the scouting department and trying to take advantage of, it's not quite a money ball scenario, but in Portland and in today's NBA, you've, you've got to find, you know, the, those players that you can maximize for you know, their dollar values and their contracts. And you know, that's what Mike Schmitz has been able to do with some young players, second round picks. They did it last year also with Jabari Walker. So it's uh, it, to, to see those things start to work in the Blazers' favor is, is really nice. Travis Demers, voice of the Blazers, joining me on the Bald Face Truth. Um, you know, you talk about Jody Allen and Bird a little bit right there. How they, they've invested a little bit of money into the analytics in the scouting department. I want uh, can you mm-hmm. talk about like the G League team? Like how how important do you think the G League team is coming into Portland? I know they're going to get their name announced on Monday. Uh, I got my theories on what I think it's going to be, but I know you can't break that news here, Travis. But how important do you think it is to have a G League team? You know, just up the road up at uh, University of Portland, the Child Center playing, and then how can it affect the Blazers you know, next season? You know, it has its advantages, right, because it's, it's not just a training ground for players. It's a training ground for, for coaches, for an office people, for uh, trainers, broadcasters. It's a place where, you know, relatively close, right up the street at, t- at the Child Center, you know, you've got an operation where you can train people to do every single part of your somebody leaves or moves on to somewhere else or whatever, you've got somebody else who knows the system and understands how the franchise operates and works that can step right in and make things seamlessly. And you think about this too, you know, last year at the end of the season, um, and you hope this isn't the case every year, Stephen, but you know, if you've got to sign a 10 day guy or, you know, a, a Gene Nathan Williams or a Justin Manaya or somebody like that, and you pretty much just have to go off of a spreadsheet because you need somebody quickly now you don't have to do that because line of players that you know what they can do. Um, and, and sometimes guys like that, like I don't know what's going to happen with Skyler Mays, but he certainly came in and showed that he can be a viable NBA player. Yeah. Um, we've seen that in other places too. I mean, look at all the players that, that Miami has taken from undrafted to two-way guys to now you know, crucial players on a team that reached the NBA Finals. And I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen, but you never know. And then having it in your backyard, you don't have to worry about – you know, travel. It makes things really easy, and you don't have to schedule things if you need somebody. You know, immediately, you just go get them. Yeah, I, I think that's important because you know, I, I I fully believe in the NBA talent rules all, and I think it's the upper yeah. echelon talent you got to get, and then you fill the roster in. You figure it out later. Like you know, Scoot Henderson was the most talented player on the board at two, or I mean at three. Blazers draft him because he's most talented. You figure out the fits later. And I think the G League uh, can only help with that. Travis Demers, voice of the Blazers, yep. joining me. Uh, speaking of Scoot. You know, drafted number three. I thought he'd go number two. I, I, you know, I didn't believe any report. I thought he was going two the whole time. So I was shocked when he was still there. He's on the team for now. Dame still on the team for now. I've, you know, I said earlier today. I think Dame will be a Blazer at the start of this season. So, having said all that, both guys, lead guards, you know, want to handle the ball, want to make plays. Scoot right now, not a great three point shooter. How do you think that those two can blend with each other and play off one another coming into next season? Yeah, it's it's tough because you know the, the the guards that the Dame has played with in his career, even guys that could play point guard, 
they've all been able to play off the ball. That's not who Scoot is. You know, he's not a guy who's going to come in and, and play off the ball and, and shoot. Like you said, he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a, a drive-and-slash kind of guy. He's a, a pass guy. He's uh, a scorer. He can play defense. He can do a lot of different things, but he's not really an off-the-ball type of player. So can Dame be an off-the-ball guy? At, at times he can, but I don't know just how much you would have those two guys out on the floor together. Do you, you know, and again, if, 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 you, if you only go by the players that are on the roster right now, and you say, okay, can, can Dame play with Ant? Yes. Can Dame play with Sharp? Yes. Can Dame play with Scoot? Yeah, maybe. But can Sharp play with Scoot? Yeah. Can Ant play with Scoot? Yes. So there, there's a way to mix those guys in and, and find a way to maximize them in. Yeah. Do you think, like, uh, you know, Chauncey, uh, here, here's, my, here's my problem with it, and I agree with you. I think Dame can play off the ball, but he's been so successful in his career. He's made so much money. He's you know, a top 75 guy of all time because of the way he plays. And that's, you know, he wants to run the pick and roll. He wants to run the ISO. Does Chauncey Billups, does he have the ability to go in and say, hey, Dame, we're going to need you to play off the ball a little bit. We'll let Ant have the ball if he's still on the team. We'll let Scoot handle the ball a little bit. Give the ball to Jeremy Graham a little bit more. Does Chauncey have that in him to say, hey, Dame, we, we need you to sacrifice a little bit for this team? Yeah, I think so. I don't think sacrifice is, is an issue at all for Dame because he's put up the accolades, right? I mean, Everything short of an MVP, he's done. And we saw times last year, and Damon Chauncey even talked about it, where he deferred too much because he wanted to make sure that his teammates were able to contribute. And when, when he went on that tear in February and he was putting up 70 points and averaging 40-plus in, in situations we've seen him do that in the past, it's because he's had no other choice, right? He's not the kind of guy that has to score 35 a night. He's the guy that has to score 35 a night if nobody else is getting the job done, and he can do that, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you have other players who can do the job and, you know, now Dame is playing less physically impactful minutes and instead of playing 38 minutes, he could play 33 minutes and you can space that out. And you look at the minutes that he's played over the last couple of years in the, the games, maybe he's added another year to his prime because he hasn't played a ton in the last two years and hasn't been in the playoffs. And at times, those, those minutes have been less you know, physically demanding. Maybe that's something that, that can work. Yeah, I, I think that's how you try to get Scoot and Dame playing together is you got to pitch it that way to Dame. is like, look, man, yeah. you, you've had so much pressure on your shoulders for so many years. Like, now we have a guy who we want to build around but can also help you out mm-hmm. as well because he can get to the paint. He can be athletic. And, Dame, you can spot up and knock down that three ball that you know, we've seen him do so many times. Uh, Travis Murs, voice of the Blazers, joining me here on the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. Travis, you talked about uh, Dame 71 points. I want to go back to that game. You know, you're on the call. Yeah. How was that? How would you rank that impressive-wise? Is that the most impressive performance you've seen in person while you've been on uh, The Voice of the Blazers? Are you talking individual performance? Yeah, yeah individual. Um, um, that is the single greatest um, individual performance that I have seen in person in any sport in my life. Wow. And... You know, I'm, I'm not – I haven't been around. I wasn't I'm not old enough to see, you know, Wilt's 100 points. But I, I did, you know, see a guy with one hand throw a no-hitter. <laughs> you know, I've seen some, some pretty cool stuff. But Dame putting up 71 in a single game, and a game that they had to have, and a game that, you know, a lot of times when, when the guys will put up big numbers like that and Dame will have 50 through three quarters or whatever, he doesn't need to play in the fourth. He needed to play in the fourth quarter because the Blazers let Houston back into that game. Yeah. Um, there is no there is no individual performance that I've seen that is better than what I saw Dame do on that night. 
I, that's the thing is they needed all 71. Like it wasn't like they could go for yeah. 65. They needed 71. Uh, all right, Trav, I'll get you out on this one. Um, you know, Joe Cronin, he's getting a little heat today. Uh, you know, people are getting upset because he said he wants to build around Dame, build a championship team. And, you know, actions kind of speak a lot of the words right now. He went out and he drafted these players. The fan base is uh, some of the fan base, not all of it, not me, are mad about calling him a liar and saying they're lying to him. Just what? what's your thoughts on that? It, isn't Joe Cronin just doing his job and he's trying to do what's best for the franchise? Or am I just, you know, being a Blazer fan a little bit too much and saying, you know, I, I need to be more offended that Joe Cronin hasn't necessarily lived up to what he has said since he's been named GM. Yeah, but the, the thing with being a general manager in sports is you can talk all you want, but if those situations aren't there, you know, you, you're not going to pull the trigger and, and make a, a bad move just because you said you were going to make a move. And we've talked about this off air, Steve, and I think Joe has done a terrific job in terms of being patient. You look at the trade deadline last year, and he very easily could have said, yeah, I'm going to trade some future assets and try and salvage this season. He didn't do that. Instead, he gives up Josh Hart, gets a first-round pick, you know, gets Matisse Thibel, who you know could potentially be around for a while and be a great defensive player and a great rotation player, and he didn't sacrifice future assets. Well, aside from the draft picks that they've used now, they still have plenty of things at their disposal if they do choose to go the direction of you know, trading for veterans and trying to put a winner around Dame right now. And he even talked about it last night at the press conference that you know, we are willing to use future draft capital. The, the draft is just one part of the equation, right? That you can still make trades. Free agency starts a, a week from today. Uh, they don't have cap space, but they do have some exceptions and, and things like that. So just because the, the draft is over, it doesn't mean, you know, he's, he's punted on trying to, to put veterans around this team. Um, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But e- even if, you know, they, they do decide to go in a total rebuild, I love Damian Lillard, um, not just Damian Lillard, the basketball player. Damian Lillard, the guy, is the best human I've been around in sports. He is everything that you think he is and everything he comes across as, as being. That's who he is, right? And you have to – when you're running a franchise, you have to put the franchise first. And in my opinion, we've talked about this also, Stephen, is that, you know, if you're trying to win and you're trying to put the, the franchise in the best position to win, you need Damian Lillard. But if that option isn't there, you've got to put the franchise first. And that's what I think Joe Cronin is, is going to do. Just like Damian Lillard will put Damian Lillard first. As it should be. You know, it's, it's not show friends, it's show business. And I think right now it's, it's just an interesting time with Rip City, just what is going to happen coming up. But Travis, thank you so much for joining me, man. I uh, really appreciate it. And I will talk to you later, my bro. Always, man. Thanks for thinking of me. I did. Travis Demers, voice of the Blazers on a BFT debut for him joining me. I want to appreciate that. Really appreciate that. You know, he, that's my guy. Travis, my guy. He uh, he hired me in this business, so uh, I always owe him that. And uh, you know, he's had some interesting things there, and I want to touch on on the other side about you know he even talked about you know Dame, great person, great teammate, but he's gonna look out for himself, and I think that's I think that's good and. I wish he would have done it earlier. I wish Dame would have done it earlier when he was 27, 28 in his real prime and put some pressure on the Blazers, but he's doing it now. We'll see how it ends out. We'll talk about that a little bit more coming on the other side. Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. I want to thank Travis and Murders for joining us last segment. 
pretty open for uh, working with the Blazers. You know, said, said you know what he said about Dame, how uh, you know he's a great player, great guy, but he's got to do what's best for Dame. Blazers got to do what's best for the organization, and and I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, and no matter what side you're on, whether you think the best thing to do is to build around Dame, that's great. I just want the Blazers to do it. I want Joe Cronin to make that decision, and I want it to be clear. If it's to build for the young and for the future, which I would prefer, I would rather do that and look to explore the trade possibility of trading Damian Lillard. I think you got to do with that. And right now, Joe Cronin is saying one thing, but his actions are doing another thing. Those actions are bring in young players, draft young players, and not make any trades. Now, there's still a lot of time. You know, The offseason has just started there's still plenty of time to make a trade. There's still plenty of time to sign a free agent or, you know, see what Dame wants. I think we're overreacting. There's a little bit of overreaction Friday today uh, after the draft, which is understandable. I mean, I think we were all expecting a bigger splash. Jude, I don't know if you thought about that. But I mean, I, going into the draft, it's not that I thought there was going to be a big splash, but I kind of felt like there was going to be a big splash at the same time. Like, it, <laughs> it seemed like something big was going to happen. And not that it was a letdown, because I love I love the Scoot Henderson pick. Um, you know everything you read about Ryan Rupert, he's a good little player. Chris Murray, yeah, I'll take it, whatever. But um, you know, I was going to, I was expecting this bigger splash. It just didn't happen, so it, it almost feels like a letdown. And I think fans are just getting that in their opinions, and they're making it, making it so it's all negative. Yeah, I agree. Because I thought the Scoot pick, we were reacting to it live as it happened. I was giving big fist pumps. I was we fired pumped. up. We were psyched, I was yeah. really happy that MJ took uh, Brandon and left Scoot for us. Like I, I thought that was awesome. Home run. When they sticked stuck and picked Murray at twenty three, I was starting to get a little worried because. I had heard and we had talked about that that pick still has trade value, and especially in a draft like this where they're thought to be draft you know value in the back half of the first round and even in the second round. They just you know stick and pick at twenty three, stick and pick at forty three. To me, that left a look because I I was anticipating a Nurk in twenty three or a Simons in twenty three trade to happen, and when it didn't, I was like, uh oh. Even more than the, because we agreed, it was only Zion at three. If any trade that we thought was going to happen, it was going to be the Zion trade. And sounds like they never really full, never really considered that with any degree of um, seriousness. Well, there was some contradicting reports. Some people were out there saying New Orleans was adamant at getting Shaden Sharp in the deal. And I think, you know, we talked to Sean Hyken, and that's a no-go. Like, that's a, that's a non-starter. Yeah. So if New Orleans came in and said, well, we need Shaden Sharp in this trade, Joel Cry made the great choice. And then Cronin even detailed like, hey, we, we were trying to get the value of the three pick on the market after the lottery, and we were going for guys that were going to be players that took us to the next level, that were on great contracts, that we think are better than the options at three. And he's like, that really became a small list really quickly based on how high we were on Scoot and Miller. And then it was that contract comment that got me because I was like, well, Zion's not on a great contract, and you could argue his fit, you know, his off-court fit. So to me, reading between the lines, I don't think they were really considering Zion with that much seriousness. Maybe they were, but at the end of the day, I was really anticipating Ant or Nurk or both to be moved with one of the 23rd or 43rd to show me some signs of seriousness in building around Dave because now they've really cornered themselves to having to have a busy summer on the free agent market and that, you know, 
It sound, do you think Jeremy Grant's a shoe in to come back? We don't have to worry about it? Um, I think if Portland wants him back, he will come back. Okay. I, I, I think as long as Portland offers him a contract, he'll come back to Portland. I'm not 100% sure. Depend, again, depending on the, the direction that Joe Cronin goes, if he really wants to go young, he's, he won't offer him a contract. But I think, I think at the end of the day, Jeremy Grant will be in Portland. And then Sean Hyken actually asked Cronin and said, would you consider trading future draft capital? to help improve the roster now. And Cronin said, that's a great question. Yes. So that's the one other thing that I don't really consider a ton is like trading future picks with yeah. this, because that's not really something Portland uh, tends to do, at least not their first rounder. So um, anyway, that's, uh, they get better get busy living here in the month of July as Dame turns 33. Cause if they don't get busy with anything, then I just don't see a future with, with Damian Lillard and Scoot Anderson playing together in Portland. Certainly not past the trade deadline if it gets to the regular season at all. And, and there was a little bit of talk of Nasir Little and 23 maybe being moved. There's some Cleveland likes Nas, apparently. Apparently they yeah. like uh, Nasir Little. I think there's another team out there that has some interest in Nasir Little, but he's not going to get you a big haul back. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the 23rd pick, when they picked Chris Murray, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was more of just a question like, why Chris Murray? Like, I mean, again, maybe they see something. Maybe Mike Schmitz, we got to put more trust in him and says he sees something in this guy. But when I watch Chris Murray and I'm not the end all the BL scout, I don't claim to be, but I'm pretty good. I worked in the NBA. Like I, you know, I tried to do that for a living. I've talked to those people in those brooms. I don't see it with Chris Murray. And so it just didn't make sense. And as Travis said, he's older. He's going to be 23. That's, that's, that's not a Schmitz pick. That's not a Schmitz pick. Every, at least type. It's not though, because you look at, um, you know, Scoot, it's all potential. You look at Shaden Sharp, that was a that pick wasn't a for sure. Like that was questioned. And Schmitz is like, no, like he is he is the guy that we need to build around. He's got the potential. The Chris Murray pick just doesn't make sense. Ryan Rupert is 19 years old. Like that makes sense. 23 year old Chris Murray at Iowa who doesn't play defense, not a great shooter. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I that pick, you talked about this off the air before the show. Like, you think something's up with that pick. That my antenna goes goes up with that. You said, yeah, you said your little spidey sense. Smells something smells weird. It smells weird. It smells like Joe is talking to Sean Marks in Brooklyn, and Joe is probably talking to to Pat Riley in Miami. And I didn't know the Miami GM until I looked him up today, but he is one big, big uh, chubby old dude, which is kind of funny. But anyway, just a bodyguard for Pat yeah, Riley. Yeah, just a bodyguard for Pat Riley. But you know, I don't know if there's some conversation of like, hey, we're not going to make a Dame deal right now. But let's all talk to one another, you know, about the guys. Brooklyn had two picks in front of Portland. You know, you don't think there was some conversation about, hey, by the way, if you take this guy, this guy, maybe that could be part of our conversation here in July. Or Miami takes Hawkes. You don't think that that's someone that Portland may have been interested in, too? That, I know Hawkes is also older, not necessarily in the Schmitz type that we're talking about with Murray either. But He's a different player. He's though. a different player and freaking baller in, yeah. in West Coast. I don't know. I, Something smells fishy to me, and I think we're still going to – it's going to be a busy next next month or so, which is kind of exciting in a nervous way. I want to ask you this question real quick. Uh, <laughs> you know, the third pick had a lot of value. What Before the pick was made, everyone was talking about, well, this pick can probably get you a star player. And it didn't come to fruition. That trade didn't happen. But now that Scoot Henderson is the guy at three, and it, that Scoot Henderson is the name to that third pick – does the third pick have more value or less value now that it is known to be Scoot Henderson? Like, that's the guy. Can the Blazers go out and they trade Scoot Henderson for a veteran all-star? Or was it more valuable when it was unknown as the unknown third pick rather than 
known excuse. Does that make sense? It depends on what point it was unknown. Because if it was unknown after Miller goes, then I think that's its highest value because everybody wanted Scoot. But at the same time, then in theory, it'd be the same value now See, I, that, I, I, that, that Scoot's known. And that's know? my point is yeah. I think there is a possibility where Scoot Henderson is traded before the season starts. I, I don't. I would say very low odds. I would say I really think Scoot's going to be on the Blazers for the for the present and the future. But there's a chance that Scoot Henderson could be moved, and that would make Dame happy, wouldn't it? Depends on who they get. I just don't know who they get. You know, yeah. is, is it if it's Bridges or Bam? It then is. yes. But outside of that, or I guess Zion or Jalen Brown, I guess not. Jalen, I don't think Jalen does it. Jalen Brown's not turned down $100 million either. He's staying in Boston. He's staying in Boston. All right. Well, that's just something to to chew on there for the weekend. It could happen. Uh, I want to thank Judah Newby for helping me out all week these last two days. I want to thank John Cazano for letting me fill in. Thank all of you for listening, and thank the Portland Trailblazers for drafting Scoot Henderson and bringing me content to talk about on the radio because they've been a disaster the last couple days, and it's great. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. Thank you for listening. Bald Face Truth Radio Network.